Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Jazz, you just don't know what they're going to do. You don't know what they're going to do, when they're going to do it, how they're going to do it. A team that struggled for a couple of games, didn't look good against Minnesota, and got beat both times. Comes out without Mike Conley and scores a team record 154 points. And beat Sacramento easily. That game was uh, out of hand at halftime. Just got further out of hand in the third quarter, and the fourth quarter was all garbage time. For all of you who've been voting, yeah, rest guys, rest them in the fourth quarter after the game's blown out. Well, there was your game. Yeah, that game was blown out at the end of three quarters. And sure enough, the end of the bench comes into the fourth quarter and did not let up at all. So, franchise record, most points in jazz history, Blowout win, and the Jazz hold on to first place in the West for a couple more days. Jazz get the win over the Kings. The other game, of course, the Suns in Phoenix hosting the Clippers. They led most of the game. Clippers made a good run, got close in the fourth quarter. Suns pulled away and win it. So the Suns stay one game behind the Jazz, and they will play for first place. Friday night, and the Jazz will be shorthanded. Conley with some kind of a hamstring issue, injury, slight injury, um, uh, felt it at the uh, late in the game in Minnesota. Didn't play. Don't think we're going to see him. Don't think we're going to see him for a while. Uh, Quinn got asked about it in the pregame, and you know they kind of tried to pin him down, but he was having none of it, and you know, so I wouldn't expect Mike to play, but uh, I wouldn't expect him to play for a while now. But we'll have to see how this plays out. For one night. They certainly didn't miss him. Could it be different Friday? Absolutely. The Kings were a not good team that did not play very much defense. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. So the Jazz get the win. The uh, first place will be up up for grabs Friday night, though, because the Suns have the tiebreaker. They stay a game back. So if they win, it'll be a tie for first. The Suns love the tiebreaker and, and take over first place. It's been a long run, but the Jazz are going to have to come up with something uh, something pretty special on Friday night. They're going to have to do it shorthanded without Mitchell. And it looks like they're going to have to do it without Conley. So we'll see what they do. But for one night, the ball went in the basket. And probably didn't go in any better for anyone than rather than George Yang. I mean, that guy, he is really feeling it now. And he just picked up right where he left off in Minnesota and was just hitting shots. So it's good to see. It was easy for the Jazz, and they get the victory. All right, there's a little NFL news. The Denver Broncos make the trade with the Carolina Panthers and get Teddy Bridgewater. And then say they're still in the market for a quarterback. And now Carolina looks like they're in a market for a quarterback. And are the Patriots going to move up and get in front of both of them? The, all the hype, all the, uh, the curiosity, all of that keeps, uh, keeps building as we get close here, get closer and closer to the draft. It'll start tonight, first round. We'll see how it plays out as we're going to have a run on quarterbacks right at the start. Who's going to make deals? Who's going to move? Who's going to go for QBs? Broncos still say they're in the market. they got Bridgewater, and they've got management that came from Minnesota, and he was in Minnesota, so there's a link there. But uh, it's not a great year for uh, Teddy Bridgewater in uh, in Carolina. And, uh, I think uh, he was 0-8 in one-score games when they had the ball at the end of the game, the chance to tie or to take the lead. It just... It just never worked out for him. So 
He's, uh, he's bounced around, rebuilt his reputation in New Orleans with that 5-0 and stint as the uh, starter when Drew Brees was out, got his uh, big-money contract in Carolina, and now Carolina's going to pay most of that contract. <laughs> so they moved him. They want him off the roster, and they'll do whatever it takes. And if that means paying him, you know, they're going to pay him. And now Denver, it looks like Drew Locke will lose the job probably uh, to Bridgewater. Um, but will the Broncos go out and get another quarterback here on draft night tonight? We're gonna, we'll see how that goes. But uh, it looks like uh, <laughs> it looks like that job is wide open in Denver, and certainly Carolina. Now they went and got Sam Darnold, and they move on from Bridgewater. Um, but they also could go out and get a young quarterback. So uh, all bets are off tonight. We'll see how that plays out. But that was the big news uh, in the NFL. So there you go. Jazz get the win, Broncos make a trade, looking for a QB, and we'll see how that shakes out with the draft tonight. All right, we're going to take a break right now. Still to come, DJ and PK, we got the best of the post-game show coming up later this hour. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. All right, we're going to talk a little draft here. We had Luke Easterling on from the uh, Draft Wire to kind of get us up to speed on how things are going to shake out. This is from uh, late in the show yesterday. Of course, he did not know that the Broncos were going to make a quarterback trade at that point. Uh, But there are still a lot of questions about these guys at the top of the draft, the quarterbacks, what order should they go, what order will they go. Here's Luke with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday at The Warehouse from 2 to 6 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Time to welcome in Luke Easterling, editor of The Draft Wire and The Bucks Wire for USA Today Sports Media Group. Luke, good morning. Good morning, guys. How we doing? Good. So as the countdown clock ticks down, we get closer to the draft. You ready to get on with us already? Man, this thing has been analyzed and hyped. And we know where the top picks are headed, at least the top two. People might be able to think they can guess the top three. The Niners are trying to play the cards close to the vest. But set aside the picks. Who do you have the most confidence when we look back at this draft? You get five or six years down the line. Who do you have the most confidence in actually delivering on the potential that's promised by one of these uh, first few picks? Uh, You know, so much of that comes down to where they go, I I think. So on the front end, it's a little difficult to say anybody other than Trevor Lawrence, right? Because, you know, we know he's going number one. We know that, honestly, that the Jaguars don't have a a really bad roster in terms of teams that you're used to seeing picking number one. Obviously, they haven't had a whole lot of team success uh, since losing that AFC title game. But this roster is really not not that bad. So I I think that the fact that the Jags are going to take him at one, they've got an additional first-round pick, They've got multiple second-round picks. They've got a chance to to really build around Trevor Lawrence very quickly and be successful. So, you know, that's the easy answer because we actually know where he's going to end up. But I think if I were to to bank on a player, no matter where he lands, I still don't understand the the idea that Justin Fields is going to fall 
out of the top five, maybe even out of the top ten. That's preposterous to me in terms of my evaluation of him as a player. Um, obviously, Zach Wilson's probably going to go number two. I would take Justin Fields at number two that without question. Um, so I, I think whoever ends up with Justin Fields, whether it's a team trading up to get him, New England from 15 maybe, maybe they jump up uh, ahead of Denver and Carolina at, at number seven with Detroit. But I think whatever team is lucky enough to land Justin Fields outside the top five, uh, if that happens to uh, to take place, I think that's what we'll look back on. Similar to the fact that you know when when the Bears traded up for Trubisky and left Watson and Mahomes on the board, I think it'll be that similar kind of move, especially if we see Mac Jones go ahead of Justin Fields. So obviously, then you're at odds with what the Jets are expected to do, in that you believe that Fields is going to be better than Wilson. Why is that? I see a guy who is way more consistent on film. Uh, I think I, I see a guy who is bigger, more physical in the pocket, and, and can can handle um, you know the, the the rigors of an NFL game and handling a pass rush. Obviously, you know the one of the biggest reasons Sam Darnold didn't succeed in in New York was you know his supporting cast wasn't that great, and particularly along the offensive line. So with a guy like Zach Wilson, if you're putting him behind that same offensive line. I don't know how well that's going to go. And I think when you compare the, the, the highs on, on Zach Wilson's film are great. If you make a highlight reel of Zach Wilson, he looks like a potential number two overall pick. But if you make a low light film, you'll wonder why he's being drafted at all. So I think that's where it comes into with me that the consistency is just not there. Obviously the flashes are incredible. And I blame Patrick Mahomes. You know, you, get, you have a guy like Wilson who can make some of those Mahomes like throws especially when he escapes the pocket and he can fling the ball, change arm angles and do all these fun things. And that's exciting. But Mahomes is great because he also takes the layups. He can hit the layups. He can be consistent with his accuracy. And I feel like Zach Wilson just didn't do that enough for me on film. And again, usually his team was the best team on the field, if not always last year. And the fact that he was still inconsistent and not able to be dominant on a consistent level against lower level competition that gives me concerns and then you contrast that with what justin fields was able to do against some of the top competition particularly that performance against clemson while playing injured i just don't understand why that's a conversation so if you're one of the quarterbacks the jets pass on should you be happy about that because they don't have enough around you to make anybody successful no matter who they pick or do you think with a new coaching staff new regime uh, the talent's going to get upgraded, and whoever it is, probably Zach Wilson, but whoever it is is going to be dealt a better hand than Sam Darnold was. Yeah, I do think there is some some hope to be had there. I don't know if I would call it confidence because we haven't seen that team on the field yet, but uh, I think they made a great hire with, with Robert Sala. I think that you know Joe Douglas probably can't do any worse than, than the management that's been uh, in charge in New York for the last few regimes. Um, but yeah, I think if, and even if you look at the way they attack free agency, they signed some really quality players, particularly on defense, um, to, to really help that side of the ball. So I do think that there's some hope there that the Jets have kind of turned a corner, turned over a new leaf, and are willing to build a winner around whatever quarterback they take it to. But it wouldn't surprise me. You know, like I said, it's all about where you land. So I think. Obviously, on draft weekend, every player wants to go as high as possible. Financially, obviously, that's helpful as well. But at the end of the day, especially a quarterback, it's so important to go to a team that you know is going to build around you and your skill set and make you successful. So, you know, going two or five or ten matters a lot less down the road if you end up in the right place that allows you to live up to your full potential. 
I don't know if you saw this piece in Sports Illustrated on Trevor Lawrence, but he seems to go out of his way to say, and this is a quote, there's also more to life, there's also more in life than playing football. Uh, any concern there? No, not at all. And, and I wrote about that for DraftWire not long after those comments came out because I think it's something that needs to be said more often. I, I think it's a refreshing perspective from someone who was crowned a long time ago for this pick, right? I mean, we, you know, as soon as he hit the field at Clemson, we were like, oh, this guy is special. And then he dominates Alabama in the national championship as a freshman. And we're like, man, we got to wait three years to draft this kid. And he lived up to it all along the way. He made it. He's going to go wire to wire as that number one overall pick. So to hear a kid like that admit that he cannot pretend that he has had it hard, right? He, he can't pretend he's Tom Brady where everybody's doubted him and everybody's, you know, said he couldn't do it. Everybody has said he could do it. Everybody has said he could do everything. So when he says things like, I don't have that chip on my shoulder and I can't fake it, I can't manufacture that, I like hearing that from a player who's not going to BS you and blow smoke. So, you know, the fact that he has a great perspective in terms of how important football is to him and how internal motivation is important but understanding that at some point, you know, the, the switch has to flip off and you have to go be a human being and you have to realize that football is a game, it's a job, and yes, you want to go out and be the best you, you can be at it. But I think we need to see this more from players. We need to, and, and fans and, and the media, we need to react positively to that because I think that contributes heavily to some of the struggles these players have after they leave the game because their identity has been so wrapped up in what they do on the field that it's really hard for them to, to, to go to that next thing once they're out of the game. And I think there's just so many layers to that. And I think the more we see big-name players like Trevor Lawrence continue to talk about that and be honest and, and you know, very forthcoming about the, the, the realities of, of off-field life and, and maintaining that work-life balance, I think that's important. We're joined right now by Luke Easterling, editor of the Draft Wire and the Bucks Wire for USA Today. Sports media group talking NFL draft. So assuming that five of the top nine and, you know, maybe the Patriots trade up and it ends up being five of the top seven picks or quarterbacks, history says two or three, maybe four of them uh, will be busts and not worth it. But for all the people, and we have plenty of Utah fans right now who want to hear you say more negative stuff about Zach Wilson, that he's not going to make it. There's pl- there's a, the rivalry is alive and healthy here. But I think that the thing we've seen with the draft now is if you want a quarterback who's got a decent chance of being a starter, you got to go all in on a top 10 pick. You got to pass on whatever generational talent there is available at other positions because the draft, everybody who's got a shot is going early. You can't wait until the middle or end of the first round or later anymore. I mean, like the last four or five drafts, there hasn't and been a third or fourth round guy who's made it. So should we criticize these teams too much for reaching these for these guys? Because it doesn't seem to be another path. Yeah, I think you know you you do have the the rare outliers. You have guys like Dak Prescott who was a fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. You have a guy like Lamar Jackson who should have obviously been a much higher pick than number thirty two. But again, it goes back to what I said before. It, it comes down to teams being willing to do what's necessary around those quarterbacks to make them successful. And and to your point about passing on generational talents at other positions. Look at a team like, you know, the, the Lions, who took Calvin Johnson at number two, and nobody would doubt that Calvin Johnson lived up to that, right? He was everything we thought he would be. He's a Hall of Famer. 
but it didn't matter. <laughs> you know, and, and Matt Stafford wasn't even really a bad quarterback, but it's, it, it's, you know, look at a team like Cleveland taking Miles Garrett, who has lived up to everything that you expected Miles Garrett to be, but it's because Baker Mayfield has been successful as a quarterback that that team is now in the playoffs and the fact that they've built around him as well. So, you can take, you know, the Browns, Joe Thomas was one of the best left tackles we've ever seen, and he never played a playoff game. <laughs> so, you know, you can hit on that incredible talent at even another premium position, whether it's a pass rusher or a, a, a offensive tackle, and that guy can be a Hall of Fame player, and it won't matter if you don't have the quarterback. So, while, like you said, the, the history says that half, half or more of these guys are going to be, be busts at the top of the draft, it, you still got to have one. So you got to just take a swing and hope you're one of the one or two that hits on the right guy. In addition it's to quarterbacks' profiles rising, which is obvious, it seems like corners and receivers, and maybe I'm off on this, but it just seems to me that their profiles have risen, and it's important to have those corners and receivers. And I look at this draft, at least in the first round anyway, and that's what we'll focus on for the first day, obviously. It seems like we could have four or five uh, of those position players going early. Who do you like there? Yeah, and I think, again, when you talk about position value, it all relates to the quarterback, though. You've got to protect the quarterback if you have one. You've got to get after the other guy's quarterback, and you've got to make his life easy with pass catchers, and you've got to make his life hard with guys covering those guys. So. It all comes back to making life easy or hard for your quarterback and the other the other quarterback. So this year's class is a, is a really good one for both of those positions in terms of corner and wide receiver. Obviously, at the top of the draft, you got LSU's Jamar Chase, the, the Alabama pair, Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith. I think all three of those guys are, are kind of in a tier of their own. There's some intriguing kind of undersized but explosive playmakers that, that all could challenge to go in the first round and I think would be good values outside of the first round. Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, Rondale Moore from Purdue, Kadarius Toney from uh, from Florida. If you like a bigger, more physical guy, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota uh, is going to be worthy of a first-round pick, in my opinion. I think he'd be a great fit for Baltimore. Uh, we mentioned Lamar Jackson and building around him. He'd be exactly what that offense needs. Um, and then at corner, you've got kind of a, a, a two-headed monster at the top. you got Patrick Sertain, Jr., uh, which just still makes me feel really old to say him and Asante Samuel Jr. in the same draft just makes the gray hair just multiply by the minute. Um, but And J.C. Horn is the other one, who's Joe Horn's son. So I, I can't win either way with this corner class. Um, but, yeah, both of those guys, I think, could be the first defender off the board. It's going to be a really rare draft in which we could get all the way to pick 10 before we see a defensive player taken off the board. So I think the Cowboys at 10 would love that scenario. They have to – take defense, I think, at that pick, and to be able to take their pick of all the defensive players in this draft, and I think it would be a corner certain uh, or horn would make a lot of sense there. But, yeah, it's a good year to need a top corner or a top wide receiver at the top of the draft. So I'm all in on Pitts, and that makes P.K. laugh, but part of the magic of the show is P.K. laughing at me, so in a weird way it works. Uh, am, I, am I too far in on this guy? Is he a slam dunk? Is there uh, something that could uh, get him untracked and – mess it up is he the guy i mean obviously i think part of that does come down to how you use that guy but if you can't maximize that potential you should probably not have a job in the nfl um he's the best non-quarterback in this draft he is number two overall on my board 
uh, in terms of just grading and ranking the players individually in a vacuum. So it's Trevor Lawrence and then it's Kyle Pitts. Um, and honestly, his athletic profile, no matter what position you call him, is basically, I mean, the closest we've really been able to find is Calvin Johnson. I mentioned him earlier, and, and I, I hate to make comparisons with Hall of Famers to rookies because it's just not fair, but athletically, he compares very favorably to Megatron. So when you talk about adding that guy to your offense, you can call him a tight end, you can call him a wide receiver, I call him a unicorn. You can call him whatever you want. That guy with that skill set is going to be able to dominate at the next level. He's big. He's athletic. His arms are ridiculously long. He's got the largest wingspan in this draft. Those are all things that quarterbacks are going to love. No matter where he lands, I think he's going to be a difference maker. He can make plays at all levels of the field. Obviously, he's going to dominate in the red zone. He's he's the kind of guy who's not covered even when he's covered. And, and when you're always open like that, you can win those contested catches. Quarterbacks are going to fall in love with you. I think he is the real deal. I think he's worth a top five pick. If he falls anywhere lower than that, it's going to be a one we remember for a long time. Harrison, ETN, the only possibilities for running backs going in the first round? you like somebody else? No, not at all. And I think, honestly, Javante Williams from North Carolina, I'd put money on him going in the first round instead of uh, Travis HN from Clemson, for sure. I think that that's definitely the top tier, those three. But if I had to if I had to put money on it, I obviously I think Harris would be the first off the board. Uh, but I think Javante Williams from North Carolina has a better chance of cracking the first round than HN at this point. So under your theory, which I think makes a lot of sense, that – what makes a quarterback's life better and makes quarterbacks more productive? Why don't running backs get more play? I mean, isn't Ezekiel Elliott making Dak when he's healthy, obviously? Uh, Dak Prescott, and apparently he's going to be back to health this year. Doesn't he make Dak Prescott's life a lot easier and make him a better quarterback, the threat of that run game? Absolutely, and, and this is the part of that running back conversation that's, that's more complex than people want it to be, I think. I think people want to either say, well, you have to take a quarterback, a running back this high to make it make sense or make a difference, or you can wait until the fourth round because, you know, look at these examples. We always want to use the outliers. We always want to use the exception to, you know, to, to justify the rule, and that's not how that works. When it comes down to it, no matter what position, you take really good football players and you'll be okay. And that's when, when I think about a guy like Najee Harris, you know, people will say, oh, you know, it's too early to take a running back at 24 if you're Pittsburgh, or even if you're 18 at Miami. Not when it's a really special player, a really good player. You're 6'2", 235, and can do what Najee Harris can do physically, and, and he's a three-down back and can make plays in the passing game, the running game. I don't care what position that guy plays. He's a, he's a very special player, and I want him on my team. So, you know, just because the Jaguars found James Robinson last year the way they did doesn't mean everyone can do that or doesn't mean that, you know, every running back in the fourth round has a better chance of, of being a better value for you than taking a guy like Ezekiel Elliott at four. If you determine that this guy can be a special player for your offense and, and be such a difference maker and, again, take so much pressure off your quarterback, obviously you have to have the offensive line to allow that guy to work. But I, I just don't buy into this. You know, you can just find a court, you can find a running back later. You can find one later. Yeah, every now and then somebody does, but that doesn't mean you should pass up the best ones in the draft if that's something you need because you think you can be the one to find the one or two guys in the later rounds that will end up being productive. That's not how it works. Well, Luke, we appreciate the time and the insight. We'll be fascinated to see how it works out, and all eyes are on Zach Wilson here. Uh, we appreciate the time. Thanks a lot.
Hey, my pleasure, guys. Enjoy the draft. Luke Easterling, you can read him. He's the editor of the Draft Wire and the Bucks Wire for USA Today Sports Media Group. There's Luke Easterling from the Draft Wire. When we come back, the best of the postgame show. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. The Utah Jazz went out and got a win, convincingly. They blow the Kings off the floor in Sacramento. How did they do it? What happened? For more on that, here is the best of the post-game show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz win in record fashion last night over the Sacramento Kings, even though they had no Donovan Mitchell and no Mike Conley. 154 to 105 just blew out the Kings big time. In fact, 154 is the most points scored in Utah Jazz franchise history. It's also the biggest margin of victory in Jazz franchise history with 49. And in fact, 116 points is the most points they've scored after three quarters in franchise history. So it was a record-setting night. Jazz had eight players in double figures, uh, led by Boyan Bogdanovich, who had 24, Clarkson with 23 coming in off the bench. Uh, Matt Thomas was a perfect 7 of 7 from the field. He had 17 points. Jarrell Brandley had 13 coming in off the bench. George Niang was red hot pretty much from the start of the game. He finished with 19 points. Big time uh, performance from the Utah Jazz and and frankly, uh, very little resistance from the Sacramento Kings who certainly lived up to their uh, worst defensive rating in the league. Uh, And uh, really not a whole lot of effort there, uh, certainly from the Sacramento Kings. They did get 18 out of Holmes and 18 out of Buddy Heald, but what they could not get was a stop all night long. And as a result, the Jazz score 154 and uh, blow out the Sacramento Kings on the same night the Phoenix Suns win, so the Jazz keeps their one-game lead in the Western Conference. Let's get some uh, Let's get some post-game sound for you. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. We will get started uh, with the first question from Tony Jones, the Athletic. Coach, um, you know, as you guys head to the playoffs, is you know, how important is it just for you guys, you know, just through through your process, just to be playing well, um, you know, as the regular season winds down? And how did that, you know, um, kind of translate to tonight? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm probably in the minority, but I actually thought we played well last night. We, we didn't shoot well last night. Um, and tonight um, we, we, we played well in a, in a different way in that I thought the ball really moved, um, you know, for, for us to be the team we want to be, um, you know, our guys just trusting each other, changing sides, making quick decisions, and then obviously defending. So I I just thought we were, we were, we were solid tonight and obviously we made, we made shots. All right. Next up, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Well, Coach, we talked about uh, right before the game wanting collective effort, and it really seemed like you guys showed that. But just uh, what are your thoughts on your defensive 
effort in particular, looking in that first half, I mean, zero second chance points, defending without fouling. Those are, you know, those are things that are important to us. Um, and I, I think over the last, you know, week or two, we've started to, to dial in more, particularly, um, you know, on the defensive glass. We, we can't rely, you know, on Rudy and Fave to, to clean up the glass on their own, particularly if they're contesting shots. And I thought our perimeter guys, you know, basically doing their job. And when we're able to do that, particularly if we can get rebounds with, you know, with our guards, it gives us a chance, you know, to get out and transition and, and try to get some, you know, some, some open looks. So, um, you know, good, good. It's good to see habits and obviously you want to sustain them. And, you know, that's, that's the challenge right now is to continue to, the more you do it, the, the more it becomes who you are. And you know, that's what we need right now. Eric Weldon, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, when we spoke pregame, you kind of took issue with the, with the suggestion that you guys weren't sharp the other night. Is 64% from the field, 58% from three, and franchise record 154 points, about as sharp as it gets? Yeah, I, I don't I – didn't, I didn't – I didn't – I really didn't take issue with it as much as it w wasn't necessarily what I, I thought – the issue was last night, you know, um, we certainly weren't sharp in, at the end of the game, um, you know, but I think um, collectively, you know, it, it little things just, you know, when you make a pass, you know, where is that pass? Is it accurate? And, you know, those things oftentimes um, contribute to whether or not you're making shots. Um, you know, if we're looking at a three game stretch, I think, you know, three games ago, we we weren't precise at all, particularly with our spacing, um, and we got better. And obviously tonight, um, some things went our way as well. And that, that's, you know, if we can play the right way, you know, defend, and, you know, that's how I want to evaluate our group. Um, if, if we evaluate our group on whether the ball is going in the basket, you know, th that has a tendency to make people – not want to shoot. And that's, you know, we, we can't be that team, you know, we've got to continue to shoot and there's things that we can do, um, you know, to make more shots, but, you know, certain times this is a make or miss league. And, you know, the, the real challenge I think is to win when you're not hitting shots. And, you know, that's something we've talked about all year. And as you said, we were fortunate that the ball went in tonight, but I thought we did some more things, uh, that contributed to that, particularly, um, you know, b being connected. Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Quinn, along those lines, is it difficult to convince your guys to keep shooting when you miss 43s the night before? Um, we talked about it a lot, you know, and that, that's why, you know, I thought that game in some ways was significant. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's easy – um, when you're not making shots, um, th there's the thought that you should stop, you know, and do something else. And I, I think there's truth to that, you know, to the extent you can get to the foul line, um, you know, you can get, get out and transition, maybe get something easy. Um, the, the, the priority really for me is, is quick decisions. And if that means we're open, it's a quick decision to shoot the ball. Um, and, you know, it, it, sometimes a game like that, like the other night, 
you know, if you can fight through that, um, that's, you know, that's how we have to play as a team. And, you know, that's something that we've talked about for, you know, for a while. So, you know, when you're not making it, it puts that to a test and, you know, obviously there's other ways to score. It's just, it's just not about threes. Um, as I said, I, I really think it's about quick decisions, which for us um, should lead to threes because we have good shooters. All right. Last question. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. When you move Jordan lineup, and I, I thought he played good defense uh, against his matchup. I, I kind of I'm curious about his defensive development over the course of the last couple of years, and you know, kind of working on that side of the ball with a player. What what that's like? You say George Andy? Yeah, I can. Um, yeah, I I think you know it, it's been consistent for us. Um, where guys that that defend find their way onto the floor and or guys that don't defend um find their their way off the floor and George has just made that a priority and it, anytime something's important to you um and you try to be disciplined with there was a play tonight where you know he shifted and he overhelped and the, the ball got kicked out to the wing and Davis made a 3 and and it it hurt him um, and cause he knew that, you know, he could have drifted more and that that's such a subtle thing. Um, but for him to recognize that and to own that, uh, I think is, is what's happened for him over time. He just, he takes pride in it. And it's something that, you know, again, he has worked out and, and I think he's, you know, his habits have improved and, and there's a focus and a resolve. And, and I, th- I think maybe one of the best things that he's done is, you know, he's, he's rebounded. And when we say rebounded, he, he doesn't rebound like Rudy, um, but he's gotten, you know, involved and mixed it up and, you know, got hits and got, you know, got his body on other guys and kept them off the glass. And, you know, it, it I think it's true. You, you hear it all the time and, you know, sometimes it's coach speak, but, when you're focused on those things, um, it's, it's interesting. Um, the, the ball, the, the rest of the game becomes easier. You it just, you become instinctive and you're not thinking about whether you're making or missing. Um, you know, if you define yourself solely by whether you make shots, um, you're not going to be consistent. And those other things you can, you can do every night. And when you do them every night, you know, my, my belief is that, you know, you're, 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 you're not thinking and you're, you're playing more free and you're playing aggressive. And, and I think that's what you're seeing George do. He's not playing defense because he's making shots. He's making shots because he's playing defense. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder uh, giving some interesting thoughts on kind of his philosophy uh, in George Niang and playing defense. And he makes shots because he plays D. Really interesting uh, stuff right there from Coach Snyder. Let's hear from the players. And uh, let's start things off with George Niang. Uh, we'll go ahead and jump in with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. George, uh, the Kings broadcasters made a joke early in the game that you were just the second best Iowa State product on the court tonight. And uh, they, they quickly came to, to regret that statement. Um, how did it feel? Oh, I thought you were saying between me and Matt. Oh, no, they were talking about – they were implying Tyrese. Um, oh, yeah. They acknowledged, they acknowledged their mistake as the game went on. 
anyway, uh, how did it feel getting one put in the starting lineup tonight and two going out and kind of dominating <laughs> it with that kind of performance? Uh, you know, it felt great. Uh, you know, I, I, like I said before, all of us uh, on this side prepare, you know, like we're going to play a bunch of minutes and know our role going into the game before then. So, you know, I wouldn't say anything was any different, um, obviously, besides minutes. But, you know, I went out there and tried to do things to help the team win. And that's make open shots and create shots for others. And, you know, we had some guys sideline tonight. And I think all of us were a little bitter after dropping two straight uh, to Minnesota. So we wanted to come out here and really make a point. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Coach was talking to me about your balance um, and decision-making being much quicker. How have you seen that part of your game evolve? Uh, you know, just reading my defender before the ball comes to me, uh, that's been huge for me this year. You know, being able to make plays, whether if that's, you know, driving the ball or being ready to shoot, uh, just realizing how the defense is, is going to be playing me um, before the ball actually comes to me. And that's been huge um, for me this year. And it's helped me play better. It, it, I want to say it's helped our team win, but you know what I mean? It, it all comes together full circle. Ben Anderson, Castle Sports. George, you talked before the season. I mean, and every player talks about getting better on defense and so few actually learn how to do it. What, what is it for you? Is it, athleticism is it strategy what what are you doing better uh you know i think the biggest thing for me is just keeping guys in front uh you know doing a good job of forcing guys to areas where you know they don't shoot the ball as well and and you know getting more in depth in the scouting reports and you know like i said pushing guys to areas where they're not as comfortable shooting the ball and using my size uh my length and and, and my size um to make them shoot difficult shots and uh it's, it's paid off for me so far this year, so I'm just going to keep chucking away and, and doing that. Is that your feet? You know, what is it that allows guy, you to stay in front of guys? Yeah, I mean, I think our guys in the weight room uh, do a great job of, um, you know, working on our lateral quickness, um, you know, lifting heavy. So, you know, that when you are out on the court, you know, moving around out there is a lot easier. And uh, I started a new regiment with them. And it's, it's paid off. So it's, it's, it's been good. My feet have gotten quicker, but it's tough for me to sit here and talk about myself and say my feet are elite because that's not how I'm going to go about things. All right. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, George, what did you see from Matt Thomas scoring 17 and 90? <laughs> I saw him trying to steal my shine and that's not cool of him. No, he was, he was great out there. I was happy to see Matt. Uh, make a ton of shots. He was great. He was great. He handled the ball. He he made a ton of shots. He played great defense. You know, obviously Matt's a brother to me. So to see him succeed is something that makes me happy. So I'm happy that he got out there. 17 points in nine minutes. That kid has been filling it up since he uh, came out the womb. So I'm I'm proud of him. Maxime from the free agent, France. How do you explain your shooting success tonight? Sorry, I didn't understand the last part. What did you say? How, how do I explain? How that? do you explain your mark, your markmanship tonight? Your your success behind the arc. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I I think you know, our teammates, you know, do a great job of looking out for each other. Uh, obviously, what I do well is shoot the ball. 
Um, so when guys like Joe or Jordan or Boyan can get in the lane and I can get some space to free my hands and get a shot off, uh, that's what makes for successful nights. Those guys do a great job of finding me and making it easy for me to, you know, shoot shots. And tonight I was making them, you know, it's a lot better when you make shots. Um, that's for sure. All right. And last question, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. All right. Quick follow-up. You were talking about your defense and I was talking about Mike Conley with his defense this year and the improvement. And he said, man, Rudy Gobert, when he's in your ear on the court, <laughs> just makes your defense go to another level. Like, like after each stop, he's like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. In yeah. your words, can you <laughs> describe how Rudy is, like how he's in your ear defensively? Oh, he's constantly reminding us that we need to play defense. You know, when we, go, we usually check in at the same time on in his second stint, and he always seems to remind me as I'm running up, like, let's play defense, let's play defense. And if I cut someone off, I can hear him, you know, in the background being like, yeah, yeah. And then as he seemingly blocks someone's shot, it's, it's pretty funny. But Rudy is our anchor. And Rudy, as we go, as Rudy goes, and um, he's tremendous for us. He allows us to play the way we play. Um, he's a defensive player of the year. There's no other way around it. I'll leave it at that. There's George Niang, 19 points for George last night. He had a big-time performance, 6 of 9, shooting 5 of 7 from 3. Let's now hear from Matt Thomas. We will go ahead and get started. Our first question will come from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Matt. So aside from uh, your buddy George Niang accusing you of trying to steal his shine with your performance, what's it like to uh, go out there and hit 7 of 7, score 17 points in nine minutes and uh, contribute to a franchise record, 154 points. No, it's, it's awesome. Right. Like, you know, as a, as a shooter and as a scorer, it's always feels good when the ball is going in the basket. And tonight was just one of those nights where the basket looked pretty big for me. And I got a couple, you know, cuts and layups um, to kind of get myself going there at the end. And then uh, the few uh, three pointers kind of just followed. Okay, next up, Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. And Matt, kind of the flip side of that, I, I imagine when you get traded to a new team and then you just go on a weird cold stretch, that's got to be really frustrating like it's been over the last couple of months. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely tough and, and frustrating, um, like I said, as a shooter. And quite frankly, I haven't had a cold stretch like that, um, you know, since since really like college. So, um, it was just something I wasn't used to. Um, and obviously with my role, you know, with the team right now, you know, some games I'm playing, some games I'm getting some minutes at the end of the game, or sometimes I'm getting opportunities when guys are hurt or, or we're, we're short on the bench. Um, but at the same time, I got to always be ready for my number to be called. And, um, hopefully, you know, tonight I kind of got out of that slump. Uh, next Christos Salta's uh, sports DNA out of Greece. Hello, Matt. Congratulations on the win. The performance as well. Mm. About your, about your speaking about your performance, what are the factors that uh, help you to make that uh, game tonight, and how prepare yourself to stay ready, to stay always ready to be on the court? I think you know just just being consistent, being a professional. Um, I've always kind of prided myself at you know working very diligently and um, just taking every day as an opportunity to get better. Um, regardless if I'm if I'm playing or how much I'm playing uh, on this team, I'm always, you know, working for my next opportunity. And, um, 
I think that's all just part of uh, embodying being a, a professional, and, and I try to do that to my best ability. There's Matt Thomas. Played nine minutes last night, but had 17.7 of seven, shooting three of three from three. Let's wrap things up now with Boyan Bogdanovich. We'll go ahead and get started real quick here. Uh, we've got David James, KUTV. First up. Boyan, you went to the hoop for a lot of layups and dunks tonight. How much of that was just something that happened during the game and how much of that was, uh, you know, talking to coaches, watching film and planning to do it? I mean, I shoot pretty awful last, last game, so I was trying to get in a, in a different way in this game. I think our offense was, was great, but also our defense was, was on a point, especially in the beginning of the, of the second quarter. Young guys, second unit did a great, great job defensively. So we had a lot of, lot of easy, easy ones. All right, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Well, and what's it like being out there when just everything seems to be clicking that easily? I mean, it's it's, it's great to be to be the part of, of of the team that is that is winning like that. Then every every single shot that whatever we do, it's it's going on a on the right way, we really, we really needed this game before the big one in, in, in Phoenix, and, and we struggled the last couple of games. So, so it's great that we had this win tonight on this way. Uh, next up, Christos Saltas, Sports DNA out of Greece. Hello, Bogan. What was the most impressive part of tonight's game from your perspective? How important is to build on that effort? I mean that is our defense. I know that we are always talking about about offense, especially when we play without Donovan, Donovan and Mike. But I think our defense, when we play defense like we played like we played tonight, like I said, especially second quarter, it's easy. It's easy for us to play when we don't have those two guys when we run in, in transition and, and and scoring easy buckets or, or trying to find the, the easy threes. That's the way how we can how we have to play. When we ha- when we have Donovan or, or Mike out. All right, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune is next. Oyan, have you ever been part of a 150 point game in anywhere in your career? Oh uh, no, I don't think so. Not not even close. So it was it was big big night from from our, from our side. Yeah, I was I was also surprised that we that we put up that that number. There's Boyan Bogdanovich, 24 points last night from Bogdanovich, 7 of 16 shooting. He went to the line 10 times, 9 of 10 from the line, 4 assists and 3 rebounds. Up next, number 1 versus number 2, the Jazz take on the Phoenix Suns uh, on Friday night in Phoenix. That game will tip off at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at 7, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There is the best of the post-game show as the Utah Jazz just blow out the Sacramento Kings. We're going to take a break. When we come back, what is trending? Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Niang, right side, three, oh, and hold the pose, George. Hold the pose, my man. You're on fire. Four threes for Niang. Right side to Bogdanovich, guarded by Metu, drives by him to the rim and hammers. Boyan Bogdanovich flies by Metu for the slam dunk. 
Left wing Ilyasova for a 50-point lead. Ersan Ilyasova and the Jazz are up 50. Every possession is vital. He hands it to Oni. Oni back to Brantley. Open three. He hits. Jazz by 51 with 135 to play. It could be the largest victory in franchise history. The Utah Jazz blow out the Sacramento Kings 154 to 105. A club record 154 points. Every shot going in, it seemed like PK. Of course, obviously, they didn't shoot 100%, but sometimes it felt like it. 58.5% from three. And Boyan Bogdanovich, you heard that in the highlights. How many times did he take guys off the dribble for layups and dunks? 14. Apparently six. Oh, dang it. Uh, It seemed like a lot, though. It seemed like 14. (laughs) Everything, when it's rolling, everything seems like more. They're never going to miss. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were going to win. I thought their group of guys, minus the Stars, is better than the Kings, as we spoke about yesterday. And I think they're going to be just fine. I mean, I'm not going to pick them on the title, but I think they're going to be where they're supposed to be. I think last night was a classic example. This team can shoot and get on a roll. Quinn Snyder in his postgame, we just played in the last segment, said, uh, I'm in the minority, but I thought we played pretty well Monday. But we didn't shoot it well Monday. But I don't want to judge guys by simply by whether shots go in. He thought they were good shots Monday, they didn't go in, and then good shots Wednesday, but a higher percentage of them went in. Sometimes you're just hot, and they didn't they didn't miss a lot of open looks, and they got a lot of open looks. So well, for sure, and I, and I think that's that's fair. But at the same time, if you don't make the shots and you lose in the playoffs, you're still who out. Cares? Who yeah, cares? you're out. I mean, that's really all that matters. A 46-point second quarter, a 40-point third quarter, and that blows the game wide open. Jazz were up three after one quarter, but by halftime, it felt like it was over. They had a 32-point lead. It was. I appreciate that because I wanted to watch the Suns and Clippers. (laughs) I thought the same thing. I was flipping over going, I wonder if PK's already flipped over or if he's about to. Yeah, well, I had it on my phone, the ESPN, because I told you I was going to watch both. Mm -hmm. But then when, you know, it got out of hand. And Matt Thomas is going 20 for 20. I figure <laughs> I've seen it all. So uh, I flipped on. The what have you done? Screen. I've seen it all. I've seen it all. Relative to this game. Not yes. I've seen it all, you know, in the world like I did with Durant. <laughs> but I've seen, basically I've seen all that I need to see. So then I put it on the regular size screen. Not the big screen. I don't have a big TV like you do. No, I but do. Uh, I switched it off the phone and then focused on the Suns game. Which we'll get to, obviously. Yep. Jazz get the win. They are headed to Phoenix to play the Suns Friday night. That is their next game. So let's get to the NBA. Hashtag NBA. Westbrook rebound. Up court to Smith. He's alone. He's Whoa. And Ish with a slam. And Westbrook turning to the crowd and applauding the crowd. And the crowd getting up and applauding back. Rebound. Tristan Thompson's seventh offensive rebound for Jalen Brown. Steps to his left. Has a clean look at it and knocks down a three. Randall with 31 already. Probing Felicio at the left wing. Find a shoot. Step to his right to three. It's good. Exclamation point. Dot to Paul. Three-pointer. Shazam! Chris Paul. Chris Paul lets everybody run to the paint. They finally get it over to Paul. Paul on the drive. Reverse layup. Good. Oh, brother. Phoenix Suns hold off the Clippers 109-101. They stay within one game of the Jazz heading into Friday night's game. 
the Chris Paul highlights there because he had 28 points and he had 10 assists. Clippers made a run. You're supposed to do that in the NBA. Everybody's supposed to make a run. The Clippers trailed most of the game, made a run in the fourth quarter, got close, got within a point, and then Chris Paul hit some shots, and uh, Booker hit a big shot, and the Suns pull away and win 109-101. It was kind of textbook NBA, PK. Uh, to a degree, yeah. Also textbook Clippers. They were without Ibaka, about, without Beverly, without the top dog, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, I, I, don't, I just don't think they care about these games, man. They're, they're, get us to the postseason. We're under a month, and the Suns care real as they should. They care much, much more. They should. They clinched the playoff spot for the first time in 11 years, and it's real important for them to be in this position as opposed to the Clippers. So Clippers are sort of playing out the string here and see what they can do in the postseason. If, if they're on, they're going to be a dangerous, dangerous ball club to eliminate. And as we can say that about two or three teams. So the Clippers had a chance there to catch the Suns, but as you point out, a lot of guys didn't play, and Kawhi Leonard hasn't been playing for quite a long stretch now. Fur. Fur. And so the Clippers are uh, now two games behind the Suns and three behind the Jazz. But they're also only one game in front of the Nuggets. They're tied in the loss column. The Clippers have played two more games, and they won them both. So the game up on the Nuggets, the Nuggets held off the Pelicans 114-112. Pelicans had a chance to tie it right at the end. Zion Williamson got a feed, went up for a dunk, and Jokic spun around and blocked it. And Denver holds on. So do you think the Clippers care about three or four? They obviously didn't get too no. fired up about two or three. Because if they drop to four, then it's Clippers-Lakers in the first round if the Lakers hold off the Mavericks. Well, I do think that they'll get the guys back. I don't think they're going to sit them the rest of the regular season. So I think it'll take care of itself because they'll win some ball games, and so they won't drop anymore because I think they'll come back, and then when they come back and have all their weapons, they'll be pretty good. So I think that's what they're thinking. And I don't know if that's what they're thinking, but that's my thinking of what they're thinking <laughs> is naturally you want guys to come back. I mean, I think LeBron is going to be back here. Uh, he could be back tomorrow. Yeah, my guess is he's back at the latest uh, Sunday. So, you know, play, have 10 games to get ready to go. And I think the Clippers will do the same thing. So it's sort itself out anyway. Lakers have exactly 10 games to play. The Clippers only have eight games left. So whatever stretch these guys are going to get together, they better get it together and do it soon because the games are ticking away here. Well, it's the same thing for the Jazz. Yeah, the Jazz now are down to their uh, final 10 games. The Blazers beat the Grizzlies 130-109. The uh, battle to see who will be seven, who will be eight, all that kind of stuff. The Blazers are a half game behind the Mavericks now. The Mavericks are uh, in sixth place. But the uh, Blazers are only a game, or two and a half games up now on the Grizzlies after winning that game. So maybe Portland, even if they have to go in the play-in, at least will set themselves up with home games and two of them and only have to win one. And then lose in the first round. That would seem to be the way it's headed, yes. I mean, it, it, it creates some excitement, but it's not like baseball, where if you get the, the wild, wild card, card can yeah. go and has gone. Yeah. And we assume yeah. that the seven and eight, whoever they are, are going to lose to the one and the two, whoever they are, right. in whatever order they finish. It, this sort of reminds me of the 
the conferences that have the one and dones, Big Sky, blah, 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 Big West, uh, we know what they are. And it's exciting to get in, but then you're just going to lose. <sighs> Should have taken in Creighton. Oh, well. Lakers lost 116 107. Russell Westbrook, 18 points, 18 rebounds, 14 assists, another triple double, and the Wizards beat the shorthanded Lakers. So, Lakers, 10 games over 500, sitting in fifth place. Not going to get home court advantage. They're five games behind the Nuggets, so they'll have to claim it by winning on the road. They're a game and a half up on the Mavericks right now. Well, the thing I look at that is what is uh, Anthony Davis doing, and he's playing decent minutes, and he's looking better. Rounding into form. He's got another, if you will. Another 10 games to uh, yeah. become yeah, Anthony be Davis. Sc- scrape Unless the he gets another off. injury. He's going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, the rust is coming off rapidly. He looked fun. Uh, They're going to be very dangerous. The shooting, the scoring already seemed to be there. He had 26 points. He made half his shots, 10 of 20. He was 40% from the arc, 2 of 5. Did miss a couple free throws, whatever that's worth. Filling up the box score. And he's playing over 25 minutes. Yeah, he's up to 31 they gave him. So, Yeah. That's basically back to full time. So, Right. Boston Celtics guard Marcus Smart suspended by the league for one game last night because of threatening language he directed at a referee a night earlier. The NBA did not provide many specifics in a news release beyond saying the incidents with Smart occurred during and after the Celtics 119-115 loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder on Tuesday night. And he was suspended and Jalen Brown went for 38 and the Celtics beat the Hornets 120-111. to well, I think the referee said, hey, you want to go? Let's go. Tough guy. <laughs> you want to go? That's who Smart is. Let's go. It, it it seems like he has these issues multiple times a year. He had him in college. So at this point, you are who you are. Julius Randle, 34. Apparently the Knicks are going to start another win streak, PK. Here they go. They had the nine-gamer ended by the Suns, but they win again. They're sitting fourth in the East. Trying to claim home court in the first round, not just make the playoffs, but be fourth in the East. So they they pick up a win as well. And the Sixers just annihilated the Hawks. Phillies in second in the East. They're a game behind the Nets. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Kyle and John are doing whatever they can to make this team compete for a Super Bowl. And um, if they think that's bringing another, you know, another quarterback, another tight end, another fullback, another linebacker, whoever it is, uh, they're just trying to make this team better and more competitive. And so I know the team trusts in them because they haven't led us astray yet. You know, there was a number of teams that called after that media blitz that, that happened, right? Uh, but no, I never actively negotiated with anybody um, and with any team. Now, did people call? Absolutely. So that's George Kittle first. He trusts the 49ers to pick the right player, whoever they're going to take at three. That's the drama right now, who's going third. And then also Seahawks general manager John Schneider there on the Russell Wilson trade rumors. Ah, it was a a media thing, PK. There's that media blitz there. Okay. First round of the draft starts tonight, 6 o'clock. It'll be on ESPN. It'll be on ABC. It'll be on the NFL Network. Former BYU quarterback Zach Wilson expected to be the second overall pick of the New York Jets. And then we'll see where Penny Sewell goes, and Utah will have two of the top eight or six or 
five or whatever it turns out to be. Uh, high school products, a couple of high school products from Utah going high this year. Yeah, I got to see what, what Lisa's up to. Anything new on Instagram in the last 24 hours? The basement? Uh, chronic- yes. Oh, she chronicled her trip to Cleveland. All right. Yeah, yeah, they're there right now. I'm looking at it as we speak. And uh, they brought uh, old Kajar is there, the corner candy coach. They brought him. Kajar? Eric Kajar. Eric Kajar. Kajar. It's a photo of him up on Twitter. It looked like uh, Kalani was in a photo. A-Rod was in a photo. Fessy was there, too. Yeah. Well, Fessy and A-Rod are largely responsible for getting him to BYU. Uh, that was a great hire, A-Rod. Got him there. Fessy was already on the staff, but those two had the connection, and then Kalani closed the deal, and uh, the rest is history. And uh, Care was his coach there in high school, and uh, so that's that's good. I, I like that he remembers his high school coach. The, you know, the college coaches are more obvious, right? But I really, really like that he remembers the high school coach. And we we sort of make fun of the mom because she's out there. Whereas this kid seems about as grounded as can be. And, you know, she's they're driving on a freeway and she's going on with her Instagram stuff and they show Zach sitting in the back seat and he's sitting there. Yeah, I'm kind of nervous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like his style. I really do. I like his style. Uh, he's confident, but he's not uh, over the top. He's not. Saying a whole lot of stuff. He's got a million-dollar smile. My goodness, <laughs> yeah, he man. Does. He's got the all-American looks. I really hope he kicks butt. Madison Avenue will embrace that smile without question. As long as he plays well, yeah, gotta, I think they he's will. He's got to play well. But how will he and, you know, I mean, the tabloids, the back page, it's New York and all that stuff, and whether it's him or it's the mom or the dad or whoever. I mean, how's everybody going to handle when, you know, there's some outrageous headline and bizarre photo and, story that they think is only possibly 20 or 40 percent true well i think he's going to handle it fine i she's well she's going to revel in it this is i've seen this many times over the parents and your kids the stud and you get way caught up in it though i've seen the other side of it when you you think that wow he's going to be it and then he goes to college and it doesn't happen which is more the common story than it does happen and then it's a bitter bitter uh, let down because they thought their kid was going to be that. And I've seen that with a number of BYU quarterbacks uh, that it really just, as Riley Jensen would say, sports is going to break your heart at some point. And it's it's a bitter pill to swallow when you think your kid is uh, this and that. And, but so far, Zach is, uh, he is he's all this that. and that, and right, so yeah. He's going to get that opportunity. It's gonna. I'm going to watch him and I'm going to root for him. As far as the Seahawks story with their GM, uh, and Pete Carroll and uh, trying to diffuse everything going on around Russell uh, Wilson and the rumors of Wilson being unhappy, being disgruntled. Pete Carroll said there was some stuff that was said that had to be dealt with, and it has been. So Russ is in a great place right now, and he's been in a great place throughout the offseason. We communicated throughout all of the things just like I always have. So Pete Carroll making it sound like it's all been diffused, and here go the Seahawks. What'll really diffuse a PK is winning, winning big. They get a shot. I mean, that's all I can say. Yeah, it should be in the mix, just like they were last year. Yeah. 
Giants running back Saquon Barkley on track to be ready to go as he recovers from a torn ACL in his right knee. Suffered it last October. He also had to have his meniscus repaired during the surgery. Had his fifth-year option worth $7.2 million on his rookie contract. Picked up by the team. But that had to be a lot of relief. Tear up your knee as a running back with an option sitting out there. Well, when healthy, he's a stud, but he's had multiple injuries. And that is the story of a running back in the NFL. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. LSU doing away with attendance limitations and mask mandate for all outdoor athletic activities. The school announced yesterday and the move to 100% capacity is effective immediately. They still got college baseball, I guess, going on, right? Oh, yeah, big time. And that's huge down there. They've got a beautiful stadium. I've seen it. LSU's a big time player Uh, in that sport. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's right uh, across the street from the football stadium. And Southeast Conference baseball, baseball doesn't get the run, obviously, that football gets, particularly in that conference. But that's a great conference for baseball. There's just no question about that. And they they have outstanding attendance in those games uh, throughout the conference, basically. So, yeah, that, that's, that's good news for those folks. Kim Mulkey, we didn't talk about it, but that was a blockbuster move going from Baylor to LSU. And her first thing, first thing she said, I'm taking off this damn mask. And the crowd went wild. And she was indoors. She made uh, $2.2, $2.3 million, something like that at Baylor. So mm-hmm. what, did, yeah. what did LSU pay to, to get her? Uh, well, you can find out. Uh, this is a public It'll institution. Be there, yeah, once the contract's signed. Sometimes and for her, that's home, too. So I don't know if she needed a raise to, to go home. NCAA Board, a Division One Board of Directors ratified the rule change that will allow all athletes who have not yet transferred the ability to do so one time in a college career and be immediately eligible to play. Yesterday's rubber stamp was the final hurdle before the new rules were officially official. And now they're officially official. So, but I think they should allow everybody. And if you already took advantage of it, so be it. Uh, I think that everyone. So if you did it, if you did it a second time, I think it when it, if it goes into effect June 1st, say whatever, that everybody, even if you've already transferred. Now I understand that this will uh, take the place of uh, a graduate transfer. Yeah. So you'll so have to apply you, for a waiver as a grad transfer. If the, the grad transfer, right. Yeah. If you transfer after your sophomore right, year right, and you want a right. grad transfer, now you need a waiver before it was automatic. So the first one is automatic. The second one requires a waiver. And I, I would keep the grad transfer in there to give them even more freedom. I, I love this free for all stuff because the more we can recognize it for what it is, a big time business then we could do away with the charade of the questions for the student athletes, which is nothing what it's just it, for some, they are students for others. They're just doing it because this is the way to get exposure, to prepare themselves for professional sports, which I don't find with me. And I think that they should allow that. So you get the one time undergrad. And if you graduate, then you get to go too. Well, what we've seen with waivers is they uh, they get used pretty freely. So although you need a waiver, and that sounds like a hurdle, I am not convinced it's going to be all yeah, that big a hurdle. But I but you rather do away with it altogether. I get that. Yeah, and I'm not so sure that will they be tighter now since they're already giving you the opportunity to leave. 
Will they be tighter on the waiver? Because clearly you're right. They have been loose with the waivers. Will that continue? Or they'll say, well, wait a second. We already gave you this chance, and now you're coming back again. So I'm not so sure how that's going to work. There's no evidence there. We'll have to look back in a few years and be able to tell at that point. But I like the incentive to graduate. If you want it to be student-athletes, then get if that's a little carrot that you can dangle, so be it. Do it. And it is a carrot. And we've heard all kinds of stories talking to guys about guys are taking so many online classes. And not, not just because of the pandemic. Even before the pandemic, guys are taking a lot of online classes. And they've got to be around so much of the summer anyway. And then you're doing right, it right, online. Right. So even if you go home for a week or two, you can still take your online classes there. And so we're seeing guys get ahead. And coaches like it because, hey, it puts the pressure on everyone to graduate. It raises that, the APR, that's all that's likely to lose scholarships. And the kids graduate, and it opens up a spot for the next kid coming in. You're going to graduate. Yeah, you're going to graduate, and the parents love hearing that. You're going to graduate in three and a half years so you can get ready for the NFL draft because you're going to the NFL. And then mom and dad are hearing what they want to hear, and the kid's hearing what they want to hear, and it's a great pitch to a 17-year-old high school star. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. 1-1 is hammered up the middle of base hit. Barnes will score. Here comes Beatty. He will score. And Betts will go down to second base on an errant throw. A two-run single for Mookie Betts. Swing and a shot to right field. This will get the run home. In fact, it's going to be up the gap. It hits on the grass and rolls to the wall. And Christian Vasquez is into second base with an RBI double, and the Red Sox lead at 1-0. Bukowski's playing with fires. This ball is hit well to left field. Peralta on the run, dives, can't get it, and it gets behind him. That may empty the bases. Musgrove has scored. Fernando has scored. Trent Grisham is on his way home. He will score. Manny to third and a three-run triple. What up, everybody? Bryce Harper here. Everything feels good. Everything came back good. CT, all that kind of stuff. So, base is still there. So, we're all good. See you guys soon. That's Bryce Harper after he got hit in the face by a 96.9 mile an hour fastball. Face is still there. It's all good. See you guys soon. That's your uh, point. It, it could have been really nasty, man. Could've when I watched that, obviously it was big time cringeworthy because it was just left of the nose. And I, uh, I mean, wow. I mean, it was flush too. It wasn't like there was any deflection as far as I could see. And I watched the thing 20 times. But that, wow. And to, to be able to stand up and do what he did after the game and that's great news and then the freaking pitcher hits uh, Gregorius in the ribs and Girardi gets tossed what the crap is that <laughs> I know right <laughs> how many guys does he get to plunk right two pitches in a row I mean they're hard once at a face once right in the ribs Gregorius a shortstop a former Diamondback former Yankee former Cincinnati Red but we don't need to know all that and he goes down saw him hit one of the longest home runs I've ever seen at our ballpark here in town when he was with the Diamondback. Uh, Where'd he hit it? Team. Oh, way, he's a left-handed batter, way over the berm, right at the scoreboard. Okay. It, was, that was, it was a blast. But anyway, he gets drilled. And what's Girardi supposed to do? Two pitches, two guys get hit, and then I can't retaliate? This is the unwritten rule of baseball, man. I should at least get one shot, and then you warn me. This thing isn't over by any stretch. Mark it down. Everybody's got long memories. At some point, yeah, you got it. Sorry, but that's just the way it is. I get one guy hitting the face and one guy hitting in, in the uh, in the ribs. That just that's not acceptable. 
Uh, also on that highlight montage, you heard the Dodgers beating the Reds eight zip. So that ends. Kershaw, the, what a stud! That ends the three-game losing streak for the Dodgers. That's what the ace is for, right? Things are going south, and you've lost. Uh, what did they lost? Five out of six, and you need the uh, you need the ace to go out there and get it done. He did. Padres keep pace with the Dodgers. They beat the Diamondbacks twelve to three. They. Starting pitcher, and they've had so many arm injuries, so many pitchers leaving games, and their starters leaving in the first inning, and they can't get a runner to pass. Well, I think they have one runner to second base in the first four, and then the dam breaks in the fifth. Seven straight hits, six runs, a three-run triple, and a Padres. That's interesting because that's exactly what I said. Damn. <laughs> Red Sox beat the Mets one to nothing. How frustrating is it to be out there and get zero support when you're pitching that well? Jacob DeGrom. Oh, I match be Nolan, used to it by now. Yeah, match Nolan Ryan's record for strikeouts through his first five starts. 59 strikeouts, but can't win well, if you don't stuck. score. I think he's the best pitcher in the game. I don't think there's any question about that. Can't win if you don't score. And they don't score. And the Giants, the surprise, the Cinderella. The feel-good story keeps going. They beat the Rockies 7-3. to So the Giants staying tied with the Dodgers, top yeah. the division and the top of the National League. Impressive. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Joe Ingles. In the 9 o'clock hour, Craig Bullerjack's going to be here at 8.30. Right now, it is time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, welcome back. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing well. You know, one of the reasons we have to keep having you on the show is because there are so many guys hesitant to get their ED taken care of, and slowly, one by one, they seem to come to you. <laughs> yes, they do. There's a huge stigma around ED, and... Then there's guys that kind of have problems in the bedroom, but maybe say, I don't have ED. Uh, but any kind of blood flow problem is probably a form of erectile dysfunction. And Wasatch Medical Clinic, we use actually now the two most advanced forms of acoustic wave therapy. What's so cool is that the science behind this is picking up steam almost every week. A new study said this is clinically proven to rehabilitate erectile tissue and called it the new standard of care for erectile dysfunction. So it's not a pill. It's not injections. It repairs the blood vessels really easily, pretty quickly over just a couple of weeks' time and basically improves circulation. So if you're out there a little frustrated, maybe taking the pill and hating it or not taking anything, uh, we've helped a lot of guys turn back the clock in the bedroom and restore a little spontaneity into the bedroom. So what I just heard you say is Cambridge move over your old news. Yeah. <laughs> the Cambridge study is from 2017, which is really recent, but it's not the most recent one by any stretch. Uh, that one I just mentioned is therapeutic advances in urology, a uh, big urology outfit that studied this. And there's a bunch of others. I'll talk about them sometime today. Um, the science is sound. This works. And one thing I should mention that they all agree on, no side effects reported. Thank goodness. So you got a uh, special offer for our listeners. What's the deal you're cutting today? Yeah, we do have quite a bit. Um, 
we know guys are a little hesitant. So you can come in and do the, uh, the assessment, the exam, the blood flow ultrasound with our doctor. Um, you don't have to go forward with treatments, by the way. He'll do uh, the blood flow ultrasound for free, the little gift also. I don't want to forget that. That produces immediate results in the bedroom. And right now you get 300 bucks off. So that's pretty cool. Give us a call. It's the first step in reversing the erectile dysfunction. Guys, you can put a stop to your ED by calling Wasatch Medical right now. Claim that offer, 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. The number for Andrew and Wasatch Medical is 801-901-8000. Andrew, thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. He covers the Jets for the New York Post. Brian Costello with Zach Wilson, obviously highly touted. If he does go to the Jets, what are his prospects for immediate success? Yeah, it's going to be a while. The Jets, obviously, they went 2-14 and 14 last year. they got a lot of work to do. They have 21 draft choices in the next two years, so they have the ammunition to do it. But it's not going to be overnight. He's going to have some growing pains with this team this year. I think it's going to be a rough year. See how quickly he plays. You know, my suspicion is he'll play right away if they're picking him number two. But I think it'll be a rough season for the Jets, and I think his best hope is that they can add some pieces this year, add some pieces next year, and maybe have a better outcome in 2022. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in The Zone Sports Network. What time is it? It's half past the hour, and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update, presented by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Ring the 30-point bell. The Utah Jazz pick up the win in Sacramento with a club record 154 points, the most in franchise history. They blow out the Kings by 49. Boyan Bogdanovich paced the Jazz with 24 points. They made a lot of shots, but Quinn Snyder didn't think they necessarily played all that much better than he did on Monday. As a matter of fact, he thought it was maybe a little bit of a product of playing well on Monday, and this time the shots went in. I'm probably in the minority, but I actually thought we played well last night. We, we didn't shoot well last night. And tonight we played well in a, in a different way. I thought the ball really moved for us to be the team we want to be. You know, our guys just trusting each other, changing sides, making quick decisions, and then obviously defending. So I, I just thought we were solid tonight. And obviously we made we made shots. Jazz win without Mike Conley, without Donovan Mitchell, and they'll be shorthanded again as they face the Phoenix Suns in Arizona tomorrow night. Jazz are in first place. Suns are second place. One game back in the race for home court advantage in the Western Conference playoffs. Game will tip off at 8 o'clock. That's your Jazz at 30 update brought to you by Syringa Networks. You're locked in to DJ and PK. Locked. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Locked. A will, a will went dry and the cow did too. 
Hot Takes of Toast brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Jerry Seiner Cadillac, you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive one today. All right, we got two big stories today. The Jazz coming off a club record 154 points. The NFL draft is tonight. A BYU quarterback looks like he's going number two. Two Utah high school products are going to go in the top ten. But when it's all said and done, it may be much earlier than the top ten. Maybe it's the top five. We'll have to see how it plays out. So you got two things to hit this morning. PK, let's jump in on the Jazz since we just had that Jazz update right there, and it's fresh. And uh, for those of you who want uh, football talk, don't worry. You are one segment away. We are getting to it. Uh, <laughs> I love your post on Facebook, PK. The game wasn't even over yet. <laughs> Well, it was over, but the clock was still running. Just like we said, Jazz crushed the Kings. Why fear when everything is going to be all right? Hit it, Yock. See, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Nobody's got to worry about nothing. Don't go hitting that panic button. It really isn't. It ain't worth spilling your drink. <laughs> Not spill your drink. Uh, that's good. Yeah, uh, absolutely, man. I, I'm watching these games, and Quinn Snyder says I'm in the minority. Well, you're the expert, so. <laughs> uh, you may be in the minority, but you're probably going to be in the right. <laughs> the rest of us are going to be in the wrong. Uh, because this is your job and you study it and you know a thousand times more than the rest of us know. So I appreciate his words. He tends to be fairly honest. Uh, and so, you know, he's talking about that. And obviously the shots went down against Sacramento. But, you know, we try, especially uh, in the NBA, when there's so many games coming at you and we're at the end of the season now, we try to take the longer view rather than what's literally right in front of you. And as I'm watching this game, I don't think, and I didn't pick them to win the title. I don't think they're going to win the title. I think they've got a shot. But I think that as long as they have health, and you prioritize health over standings, over matchups, I think you just absolutely have to do that. So they may slip a game or two. But so friggin' what? As long as they got their health, man, they got so many shooters. And yeah, they're going to not win every game. They're not going to go 4-0 four times. And... We understand that, but they're going to be a tough out because they're also not going to throw up a bunch of bricks for four games either or or six or seven games. They're just not going to do that, man. They're too good. My only complaint about Monday, obviously you lost, so that's the ultimate. And especially in the playoffs, that's how you're going to be judged. Did you win or you lose? Nothing else matters. And that's the great thing about pro sports. I didn't like some of the body language on Monday. And as much as I didn't like it on Monday, I loved it on Wednesday. And play with that confidence and that cockiness. If you, it, the great ones do. And Jordan Clarkson, do your thing, man. And if shots aren't hitting, then still do your thing. Because <laughs> that's why you're there. No sense changing. You didn't get the best record in the league by doing something else. So there's no sense changing now. And do your thing, Joe and everybody else. And I think they're going to be all right when they get to the postseason, as long as they got their health. Not picking them to win, win it all, but I think they're going to be all right. Going to be. Uh, don't spill your drink, people. That could be the new tagline for the playoffs this year. Remember, it used to be show me the title. 
Now, don't you... go worry about nothing. No, no, don't be hitting the panic button. Everything going to be all right. Don't spill your drink, people. Yeah, that's the way I feel about this team. Now, if you're thinking, well, it's either win it all or my heart's broken, I, oh, I can't help you there. Well, that's what fandom is all about. Hearts get broken. And you're allowed to do that. You're right. I guess for a lot of fans, it's, um, and you're, you're totally right about health, and we're seeing that from multiple teams right now who think for one reason or another they got a fragile star. You know, Kawhi Leonard, whatever's going on with him, it's been happening since San Antonio, Toronto. It's not just a Clipper thing. I think in the case of LeBron, it's a guy late in his career who's already played so many minutes. I mean, he's well beyond when he should have worn out. And so they're being careful with him, and we saw his injury. And everyone in general is kind of on edge just because, you know, they're playing a more compact schedule this year trying to get the 72 games in. So everyone's prioritizing health. Can't really argue with that. I think Jazz fans would just feel better if they saw a three-game winning streak. And it's been a while since they've seen a three-game winning streak. Okay. but And I know it doesn't matter because you can have a three-game winning streak now and you can still turn around and blow a 3-1 lead in the first round and be out like they were a year ago. So you want to see something now, but it's like it's, uh, it's that old confidence, false confidence uh, story that you got from a college assistant coach. And I, right now I'm forgetting who told it to you. Was it Brandon Doman? Lance Reynolds. Oh, it was Lance Reynolds. Okay. Yeah, and he's, he's got confidence. It's false confidence, but he's got confidence, and something's better than none. And I think that's what fans really want now is they'd like to see, could you be healthy and win a few games in a row so we could feel good about this? Because everybody was feeling good in late March when they had a long winning streak, but really it's false confidence. Yeah, but you need your guys back. You need, you uh, you need Mitchell back. Yep. So he's not going to be back. He needs to take the time necessary to recuperate from the ankle. I mean, he's not going to take as long as LeBron, but he's 24 and LeBron's 36, so we understand what the Lakers are doing. And, and the NBA has basically turned into what we see in the big leagues with pitching. You know, they chart everything. Every, and they, you get over 20 pitches, and they start to break out of sweat practically. <laughs> uh, you know, it's the old days. They're gone, and it's the same thing. The old days, and they're not that old, really, when you think about it. In baseball, guys were chucking pitches left and right. I mean, it did they – complete the game, buddy, and then we'll worry about what you'll feel like tomorrow. And just a few years back, relatively speaking, guys were playing 82, and that's just the way it was. For whatever reason, that's not the way it is now. So we can bemoan it or we can think it's the right thing, but it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter because that's what they're going to do, right? So, And Kawhi, interestingly, he didn't do it in college, but once he started getting the money, then you got to sit him out. So be it. Uh, so let's see when they get the guys back. And and we've already seen what they do when they have all their guys. And so that's what I'm expecting when they have all their guys. But right now they got two guys out. And Mitchell and and and, and the tight tightness in the hammy with uh, with Conley. And they need the other guy. They need the guys. There's no doubt about it. But so when they get them back, they're going to be a tough out. And to me. Yeah, you're sitting in and you're a fan of the Jazz and you live in Utah, a tough out, that's, that's a high-level expectation because you do have things against you without the glamour market. And I do think that's changing and Dwayne Wade can help. There's no doubt about it. But I think it was changing with or without Dwayne Wade. 
I think the strength of the organization is a powerful statement that it makes around the league and players and their agents and families and everybody today's player is sophisticated enough to know, Hey, I can go there and have success. I can get everything I want. And if you, if you want glamor and national, this and that, you can get it here. It may be a little harder, but you can get it here. And Mitchell's going to get it and Gobert, they're going to get it to go ahead and win, man. You win the title this year, Open the doors, and all the acclaim and all the glory you want is just going to come flooding to you. There's no question about it. And if people don't, and you, you're, you're, if people don't recognize it, well, who are those people? They're the marginal casual. Forget them. The hardcore is going to know everything about who you are and what you do as a player. So you can get that, and it's still tougher to get it here. So in my mind, the point being, if you're a tough out in the playoffs, I think that's about as as good as you can expect. You've got a chance. Now go seize the opportunity. Well, opportunity knocks Friday night, but with a shorthanded club. But situation, yeah, we got it. A win would be awesome. I mean, you line all that up, and we can get into this tomorrow, I guess. You line all that stuff up against you, you know, and on paper you shouldn't win, but we all know stuff doesn't happen the way it's supposed to happen on paper. And well, Minnesota upsets. just beat the Jazz a couple of times. Exactly. And upsets and crazy things happen, and they think that it's more unpredictable as the league becomes, well, certainly the Jazz, but even in the league as a whole, as it becomes reliant on three-point shots. You yeah, know, you know, Dunks the, are pretty predictable. They're usually going in. One of the things I loved about this team is that so many of these guys, to one degree or another, were rejected, were written off, doubted, questioned, all those types of things. And that played to their strength, right? Because they all weren't uh, – you, you look at LeBron and, and Anthony Davis. Oh, first-round pick, first-round pick. Well, what the hell? <laughs> you know? And one we knew about since he was 13, 14, a la Tiger Woods. And the other one went to Kentucky, which is a basketball factory. And, and their coach will tell you his job is to put guys into the NBA and make them millions of dollars. It's not. It's not a university. That basketball team's not a university-sanctioned team. Basically, I mean, it's sponsored by the university. But Kyle Perry will tell you, my job is to get these guys ready for the NBA. And if we should win along the way, great. And what's her face? Uh, the fan. I'm blanking on her name. Her sister. Ashley Judd. Yeah, and she can have her sweaty armpits and celebrate <laughs> wildly. But that's not really the point, right? And so Davis went. That was like a minor league deal. I was an apprenticeship an internship, and he became the number one pick. And so they're winning. So what are, what are we going to have, LeBron and Anthony? Nobody believed in us. <laughs> Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas the Jazz can say that, and I think they used that to their advantage. And Quinn Snyder had to go through the ringer, too. He wasn't Steve Nash and sitting around, hey, or, or Steve Kerr. You want to coach a ready-made team? Why don't you come on over? No, that didn't happen. He had to go out there in no man's land and a team that sucked. And build it up. So these guys got an edge. They got a chip. Rightly so. And I think that carries them and it motivates them. And I think they're in a good spot of where they want to be. And right now, they got a little injury issue. But by and large this season, they've been fortunate. And now it's coming. But I don't know that it's going to be there when it counts the most. Maybe it will be. But we still have, uh, what, just under four weeks to get ready for that? So that's what I'm saying. I think they're... Going big picture, maybe not Friday night in the Valley, but going big picture, I think they're in a good spot. 
All right, when we come back, the NFL draft. What is going to happen to Zach Wilson when he gets to New York? It seems like a foregone conclusion. He's going to be picked by the Jets. But where does it go from here? Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. There's conversations about the Pac-12 about hiring two commissioners, looking and focusing on not necessarily current athletic directors or current conference commissioners, but looking at people from the sports business world. That's what you got with Larry Scott. Stop it. What are they doing? You need to hire somebody who specializes in football, who knows football, who knows high-level football, and can execute that at a high level and can support your individual institutions in football. It's a cornered market. The right mind could build it into something indestructible, big, bold, a moneymaker. The right mind could do it. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Second and 10 from the UCF 15-yard line. It's a quarterback draw for Wilson. 15-10 to the far side. The pylon, the goal line, the touchdown! Zach Wilson with a rushing score. His ninth of the year, and the Cougars open on top on the first possession of the game. Wilson, again, deep drop. Loads up, and the right-hander fires. Caught at the three. Into the end zone, another touchdown catch. It is Neil Pelton hauling it in for the score. The Cougars score again. DJ and PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on now, where you can save thousands on a new roof. Call pound 250 and say SNS Roofing for your free bid. A lot of highlights there from Zach Wilson. How many of those highlights will we hear out of the New York Jets broadcast? He's expected to go number two to the Jets tonight. It's a foregone conclusion in NFL circles. We've been hearing it for a long time. What will happen to the Jets? What will happen to Zach Wilson? How is this going to work out? What are the Jets getting in Zach Wilson with the second pick in the draft? That is the question, PK. We know a lot of quarterbacks who've gone high and busted. Some have also made it all the way to the Hall of Fame. So the draft itself doesn't really tell us anything. It's just kind of throwing stuff up against the wall and see see which quarterbacks stick. That's kind of how the NFL handles it. They certainly wouldn't have wasted all these high draft picks on busts if they knew. It's, nobody knows. Well, it doesn't matter where you're drafted in the final analysis. Uh, you got to perform out on the field. And then I get if you're a higher pick, there's expectation. So that adds to the pressure but it's all about performance, and so you could be a second, third, fourth round, whatever pick. Free agent, really. Free agent quarterbacks have gone to the Hall of Fame. I'm looking at you, Kurt Warner. So you can get it done, and free agent uh, quarterbacks are rare, but still, uh, you got that opportunity here. I think what they're getting, they're getting a football junkie. That's what uh, I'm very confident in saying. Whatever Zach Wilson has got, he's going to give to the Jets. I mean, this is what he's wanted. This is what he's worked for. And so he's all in in that way. So they're going to get somebody who is going to work, work hard, study. Uh, So you got that. You know, you don't have to worry about that. He loves the game. Absolutely. 
dad a former player. It's all about that, right? So you know you're going to get that. I believe he has moxie. I go back to when he was a freshman, and they were playing Boise up at Boise, and they're down. They're down by one score. Now, they didn't win the game, but he has that long run, gets them inside the, what, he was it inside the five? And at that time, three years ago, they are playing a bunch of young guys, right? And that's what made last year. They were going to have a good year no matter what schedule they were going to play last year because they had so many guys that three years ago were youngsters kind of running around, not really sure. Last year, they were a veteran team, obviously. That's why they've got eight guys in the top, uh, would you say, Yak, the top 300, top 100? Top 300. Uh, top 300, yeah. yeah. Pro football Which focus. Basically the length of the draft, right? And uh, so they would have scored three years ago, and they would have won that game. But they were young at the time, so and they had a brand-new coaching staff, blah, blah, blah. So my point is that that was a hostile environment. And you go back and look at the game, and he looked poised the entire time. And then he's a junior. He's got all sorts of experience. He's got trust in the coaches, vice versa. And he looked poised the whole time, too. I mean, look at that Coastal Carolina. What did he throw, a pick at the end of the first half? And those guys, if they would have done that, what they did to him on the field, they would have done that on the street. They would have been arrested. But yet, did he lose his cool? Did he go crazy? Uh, did it rattle him? I don't think it did. They didn't win the game. I got that. But, uh, you know, there's other circumstances involved flying across the country, one or two days' notice for preparation, blah, blah, blah. So I believe that he's got what it takes to succeed. I could be wrong, but that's what I believe right now. So it's interesting, the guy doing the picking, we haven't talked much about the, the GM with the Jets, Joe Douglas. Douglas, yeah. This is his second year as the Jets GM. But he signed now, a six-year deal. Right. So first off, big picture on the Jets. It's a familiar story. We've heard this with other teams in other sports. We were just actually talking either at the end of last week or the start of this week about, you know, your sister's kind of getting back in on the Suns. And I don't, I don't like the bandwagon thing, but you also don't have to have, you know, blind loyalty to a team that just can't get out of its own way. You know, the Suns had one winning season in 10 years. That's not good enough, right? And when we were talking about the Padres, when they were spending all this money in the offseason and acquiring, like, a new, you know, starting pitcher every day, it seemed like, there for a while, and saying, wow, they've never... They haven't done this, and that's why they've only had one winning season in 10 years, and they haven't been able to get out of their own way. And the Jets, one winning season in 10 years, they haven't been able to get out of their own way. But that's not all on Douglas. You know, the whole thing we heard with the Bulls, organizations win championships. Probably more true in the NFL than anywhere, if for no other reason than there's more players, there's more coaches, there's more people to be organized. So we can't dump this all on this guy. He's in his second year on the job. This is his first big swing at a quarterback. But there have been stories written on him about how, you know, on his way up as a scout and executive, you know, he was a guy who um, uh, encouraged the Ravens to draft Flacco, but he wasn't in charge. You know, he was a guy in the Eagles organization who uh, um, – what was it? He wanted uh, they they had went so they didn't want a guy that they uh, that he pushed. You know, he now gets to decide: Do we have someone on the team? And obviously, he decided Darnold's not the guy. So, and to bring in a new coach. Now, the Jets have sucked, and I do wonder if 
you know, draft a quarterback all you want, but the organization's got to get better. But the organization's new. First-year coach, second-year GM, this is, their, this is our first call. Correct. So we can't completely dump on them and say they're going to submarine him, which seems to be a pretty popular take right now. I mean, whoever was in charge in 2013 or 2016, I get it. But you're not jinxed and hexed forever. I mean, what was the Cardinals? You brought up, uh, you know, you can make it as a free agent. What was the Cardinals track record before Kurt Warner came in? Well, it sucked. Right. But they also put a good team around him. Yeah, and he, he, he was the missing piece. They got yeah. hot. You, you look at the, uh, the, NFL, <laughs> the NFL, 13 wins in one year. You know, you, you're battling for, uh, for the one or two seed. Uh, yeah. The Jets have needed three years to win 13 games. But there's going there's to be some struggles. We see this, uh, yeah, 21. What if they got 21 picks in the next uh, two years? Something Is like that, that yeah. yeah. 21 selections over the next two drafts. So we saw the. They have six in the first three rounds tonight alone. Good. Wow, this is huge. Starting tonight, this is going to go to the first three rounds tonight. But uh, yeah, but yeah, this this is a these these next two years are just major. It's a major opportunity. They've got to cash in. All right, DJ and PK, time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic. And uh, Andrew, what kind of results are you hearing from uh, patients? Because you've, you've been on the air, we've seen you on the billboards, TV, you've been here on The Zone. I think it all started on The Zone, didn't it? Before you became a multimedia <laughs> megastar. Um, yes. And so, but you get to hear back from different patients and different people and their experiences. What are you hearing? Yeah, we do. It, when a guy has erectile dysfunction, it starts with skepticism. So I'd say that's how each patient interaction starts. He meets with the doctor. He's maybe failed with pills. He goes through our treatments, and almost everybody says that was a lot easier than we thought. A treatment's 10 minutes. It's non-invasive. Our acoustic wave therapy opens up the blood vessels. So the general feedback is it's easier than I thought. The blood flow is there. I'm glad I don't have to take the pill. There's a lot of that. We have seen this work for so many guys restoring normal blood flow in the bedroom. So what are the top causes of ED? Guys are probably wondering, why is this happening to me? So what is the why? Definitely. A lot of guys are wondering that. And a lot of guys are thinking, I'm too young and too healthy to be experiencing this. And I would say, you are way more normal than you think. We do see, you know, diabetes and prostate issues and men aging as probably the three most common. But it happens to healthy guys every day. I personally do not believe that if you have ED, that means you have a heart issue. We just don't see that. We've seen a lot of healthy guys that are noticing a decline in the bedroom. Now, the science is so sound behind our technology. Uh, This is so targeted that it can work for just about any age with just about any kind of health condition. And especially if you're healthier, you're going to notice those improvements in the bedroom turn back the clock a little bit, and, of course, get off of the pill. So you got a discount for people who call right now, 801-901-8000. We do. This is the first step in reversing the erectile dysfunction. It's the assessment, the exam, the blood flow ultrasound. Uh, That's all free. That's pretty cool. The little gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom. I'm trying to think of a time that's ever failed, and I don't think there is one. And 300 bucks off today. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, Give us a call now. 801-901-8000. You can call Wasatch Medical 
At 801-901-8000. Give Andrew a call. 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. All right. We got multiple questions up on social media, Facebook. You can hit us up at DJ and PK. Twitter, David DJ James. You can grab your phone, use our app, use the open mic feature, send us your takes. Uh, Our football question today, what will the Jets get in Zach Wilson with the second pick? There's comedy, there's serious takes, there's defeatist takes, there's hopeful takes. It's all there, PK. The complete cornucopia of takes. Clark says they're going to get a talented quarterback with elite hair. (laughs) We'd gone to the smile earlier in the show. We hadn't gone to the hair. I was going to say the hair and the smile are both elite. Oh, there you go. Madison Avenue, baby. If you get some wins to go with that, you're good to go. I don't really notice the hair that much. Uh, I mean, they're playing in a helmet, obviously. Let's put it this way. It's been described as Zac Efron-esque. Really? (laughs) Okay. Zac Efron. Uh, don't know All that's right. what most football players are going for, but okay, sure. Probably not. So but. he's got the good do. He should. He's 21 years old. Why shouldn't you have a good do at 21? You know, you haven't uh, hit into the male pattern baldness yet, which I haven't had, knock on wood. Uh, although I guess it probably wouldn't matter if I had it either way. What's the difference? Uh, it's certainly not going to matter when you play quarterback. Uh, but I, I think he has the mental makeup because he's going to need it. You know, they're – that, that's right in the heart of where I grew up. They have Florham Park is minutes away from where I grew up. And obviously uh, where they play is on our side of the uh, state line there. They're going to come at you. We already know that. Everybody, You don't need to live there to know that. <laughs> so everybody knows that. Uh, and I was surrounded by I got many family members, passionate fan base. My one cousin um, who, when we, I told you about that, uh, vacation my family took we went from phoenix up to the bay area and uh, yosemite and all that and there was eight of us in a station wagon and so i was about 15 years old and my cousin named luann luann ripa a cousin uh on the other side of uh, kelly ripa interestingly um the two of us were in the station wagon in the back so we had we were sitting crossways right so our faces were each other. Back in the day, can you imagine? No seatbelts, driving from Phoenix all the way up to Yosemite, eight of us. Uh, I can't imagine sitting <laughs> in the back of the station wagon unseatbelted. I don't really imagine as much as I remember it. Even the Sniggledorfs with a, oh, yeah, why don't you just crawl over the back seat at 60 miles an hour. Crawl over the back seat and uh, lay down on that blanket and back and take a nap if you can't sleep sitting up. Yeah. Okay. Unbelted, sleeping in the back of the car while Dad's flying down the freeway. Yep, so she, done she it. Was, she was 14, I was 15, and I have my parents, my sister and her husband, and my grandmother, and my aunt, who was the nun. That was uh, the eight of us. So we actually we were, didn't have a lot of money. We, slept, we spent the night in a car in Yosemite, in the station wagon. We all slept, eight of us, in the car. Uh, you got me there. Didn't do that. Yeah. In, a tent on the, <laughs> in a tent on the ground? Yes. No. Oh, yeah. But in no, a car, we no. We were, we were city people. We weren't campers. <laughs> I didn't go camping until I moved up here. <laughs> and I thought, this sucks. I'm not doing it again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Had it with sleeping on the cold, hard ground? <laughs> uh, I, we took the kids up to just up the street here a little bit, up the canyon. It was fun. Uh, but uh, so I heard one time she was an adult, and she asked me, her husband, uh, yeah, why does he go to the stadium 
at 8 in the morning when the game starts at 4? <laughs> well, because he's getting loaded and uh, he's uh, tailgating. So they have a passionate, passionate fan base, as everybody does. So they're going to have high expectations on this kid. But I think he has the mental makeup to handle it. I, I, I haven't been intrigued by somebody going in the NFL locally uh, than I, more so than I am by this kid in a long time. I don't, I don't even know who compares. Maybe John Beck? Uh, which didn't really turn out that well, uh, as we know. I mean, second-round pick, and uh, just by, in what, in 2007 and by 2012, he was out of the league. And I think one of those seasons, he didn't, he wasn't in the league, set out the league, and then went back, I think, something like that. So five years, he was gone. So it didn't work out. I think that it comes down to, uh, with the quarterback, it's more, you know, when you're in school, you have to do those group projects. You know, there's more pressure on the quarterback. And, and I guess New York's going to ratchet that up. Just, but there's pressure on every quarterback. I mean, Jordan Love, I don't know when his time will come with the Packers, but whenever it does, there will be pressure. I suppose maybe they could move him before Aaron Rodgers, you know, yeah, so maybe, say, yeah, yeah, maybe his time won't be. come there. It'll come somewhere else. But as a quarterback, right. it's always on you, and yet you got to have the whole team. We've seen plenty of quarterbacks wrecked uh, because they didn't have enough offensive line. They got sacked too much. They never really had a chance. And you don't have the same level when other guys go to the NFL because if you're a corner or you're a defensive lineman, like you can do your thing and you can be judged to be good even if the team blows. But the quarterback really wears the wins and losses. And if you don't win, it's on the QB. How many quarterbacks do we say, he's really good, but that team doesn't win at all? You could say that about other positions. I just don't think you say it about the quarterback very often, if at all. Well, there's been exceptions. I mean, Philip Rivers. Yeah, but even they were, their teams were good. They didn't win the championship. In the case of Philip Rivers, he didn't get to a Super Bowl. But they Um, were good, too. Right. Well, let's face it, if he has a career like Phillip Rivers or Dan Marino, that's we'll pretty call it, not good. <laughs> we'll call it a W, baby. What will the Jets get in Zach Wilson with a second pick? And Eric says they will get to ruining his career. Not turning it around. There's the Jets. One winning season in 10 years. Eric, it's not good. No hope. It's not good right now. I mean, I can't disagree. Well, that's why you have it's the two pick. Good. That's why they got the number two pick. It's Correct. What? It's just that their most recent history, because you take that kid like Kyler Murray, he went number one, but no one's saying, man, the Cardinals are just going to really just destroy him because they've had a little more recent success. Yeah. Uh, and the Jets have zero recent success. I understand that, but that that then that's beyond his control, man. That's. And I and I do think that he's going to need time. He he would need time even if he was, if he was going to a good team. He probably wouldn't play right away anyway. So usually when quarterbacks come in right off the bat and play, it's because their teams aren't very good, right? Uh, maybe Russell Wilson was somewhat of an exception uh, to that rule, but usually that's the case. So you're going to need time for the individual to grow a little bit, and then also of course the team. So you got that combination. So you really can't go crazy and make big-time assessments, I would think, at least until the third year. Phil says they would get a kid who couldn't join or beat Utah. Sad, really. 
Not a serious take. Just going to revel yeah, in but, the rivalry. But Phil, I think everybody knows that BYU would have won this season. No, I don't think everyone knows that. Well, I, let I me say, I, there's a, there's I a large contingent of certain... Everyone, well, the, the, char- every, the Channel 2 people don't know that for <laughs> everyone, obvious reasons. Everyone isn't willing to admit that, even if they th- worry about it or think it down deep. They're just I don't not care what it. you admit. Truth is truth. You don't have to admit truth. It still stands as truth. They would have won this year. Everybody knows that. You should hold on to that. That'll be good for another day. Yeah, here comes the inevitable. Uh, what Twitter inevitable? Barrage. What barrage? Do you want me to lie? Is that what you want? Hashtag ten is coming. <laughs> you do that well, Yak. That wasn't bad. Keenan says they're going to get more Jetsy disappointment. Jetsy is a specific flavor of disappointment. Maybe you look at it, hey, this is a great situation and that there's nowhere to go but up. And if they do go up and then say in three years are vying strongly and actually do make the postseason, he's a hero. Oh, absolutely. Yes. That's the home run swing. And if he connects, yeah, if in three years they're winning 10 games and they're in the postseason, oh, my gosh. Because you know, here's the funny thing. You, if you're not in one of the major markets, one of the major stories, you know, you don't end up on ESPN, you don't end up on all the websites, you don't get that kind of run. And so a lot of guys can kind of, and, and teams for that matter, can kind of be anonymous when it comes to that kind of stuff. Nothing anonymous about this, man. If you get, if you get the Jets into the playoffs after their last decade, <laughs> it's going to be nonstop. It is going to be nonstop. So what you're saying is it's not going to stop. His face will be on websites. His face will be on TV. It'll, yes, it will not stop. Um, However, many people think it will stop. Bryce says, what's he going to be? He's going to be a bust. Steelers fan says, he's going to be a bust. So complete full stop immediately. Why animus towards Zach Wilson? Just because he played at BYU? Well, it could be that. I mean, I can click on this and see, uh, you know, who their teams are. And, oh, so you and don't like him because he played at BYU when nope. he wanted to go to your school and nope. your school didn't offer him a scholarship. Father of four, FSU season ticket holder, former BYU baseball player, loved Denver, enjoy helping to change lives for a living. A former BYU baseball player, that doesn't sound like a youth season ticket holder. Let's see this other guy here. Uh, no background on him, don't know what his deal is. Just says Steelers fan, got nothing else on him. But one guy says he's a former BYU baseball player, so maybe you just don't think he's the guy. I'd like to know why. Well, the two most common things we hear are he's not quite big enough. You know, the 6'2 quarterbacks, there certainly are enough. guys who've excelled at 6'2, but you really want the 6'4, six, 6'5 six, guy. And wow. he lit it up against a subpar schedule, and that's one thing that people are just going to keep holding against him until he wins in the NFL. I don't think that they look at schedule. I think they look at the talent that he has. And if you look at some of the throws he made. There it is. The schedule wasn't the reason he made the throws. And some of those throws, they were guarded quite closely. And he put it right out on the money. And his his mind is exceptional for the game. And the throw, some of the throws he made, the DB was all over him. So it isn't specifically about scheduling. And it's not about the win-loss record, for that matter, either. 
uh, and size. I think he's big enough. That's that's the way I look at size. Is his size a detriment? No. Is his size an advantage? Maybe not. I can remember one time watching a a Steelers-Ravens game, and you had Terrell Suggs and Ben Roethlisberger, and they look like two grizzly bears. Roethlisberger's getting out of the pocket. And Suggs is trying to bring him down, and they're slapping and <laughs> kind of fighting at each other, right? And neither could get an advantage because they're two massive human beings, right? And and Suggs is and Suggs is a great player, obviously, right? Probably a Hall of Fame player, I would think. And he's trying to bring Roethlisberger down, and he can't because he just can't smother him. And Roethlisberger was able to throw the ball away, live, live for another play, all that stuff. And so, yeah, you're probably not going to do that. A Terrell Suggs-like player is probably going to bring down Zach Wilson much easier. Uh, so it's not a size isn't an advantage, but I don't think it's a huge disadvantage either. What are the Jets going to get with Zach Wilson? Jordan says they're going to get buyer's remorse. See if, let's see if Jordan's a used season ticket holder. Yes, University of Utah fanatic. There it is. You guys didn't offer him. That's you should be furious at your people. There it is. <laughs> went not all a, in him. Went all in on a quarterback, a four star from San Diego who was gone before Halloween. Unheard of. And the one guy, the local kid that you wanted, who didn't come, blows up and is the second pick of the draft. That's like a worst case scenario, is it not? The only thing, the only thing worse, is if Tuttle blows up at Indiana. He got a little playing time last year uh, when the the kid got hurt. Uh, actually, looked decent, but an unbelievable set of circumstances. Local kid wants to desperately come, goes to your camps. That's where he met a Rod, and you don't take him. We know the story. And the other kid, if the other kid would have stayed and done well, would have been so oh, okay. So be it. But he doesn't. He takes off. Outrageous. Ru- didn't ruin my Jimmy Buffett concert, but had me on the phone during a concert. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can ruin your Buffett concert. Yeah, in town here. He had first time he'd first time he'd been to town since I'd moved here. Played at the arena in which we broadcast, uh, Vivint. And uh, yeah, I started getting texts. Hey, what are you hearing about uh, Tuttle? And sure, I made a couple texts. Yeah, he's gone. All right, he's gone. Now, now back to Margaritaville. It's <laughs> <laughs> a shocking story, obviously. Uh, so that, that, that makes you hate Zach Wilson. That doesn't make any sense. Dwayne, Dwayne says the Jets are going to get a great quarterback with no promising future, poor guy, because they are putting him behind a crappy offensive line. Right now, but it's not about right now. I mean, what if, if he won seven games this season, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? So... But also, too, you know, a bust, uh, a bust relative to uh, what the other guys do, too, because all these quarterbacks. And so there'll be three other quarterbacks, at least minimum. There'll actually be more than that in the later rounds. And if any of those guys blow up to be this and that and your guy doesn't, well, then you're going to be held accountable for that. Oh, you say three other because Trevor Lawrence went first, so it doesn't. If he blow, if he's great, well, you just couldn't get him because right, he was right. a, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the five, the five quarterbacks will be judged against each other. There's no doubt about that. 
And I don't think the later guys. I guess if one of the later guys turns out to be a great quarterback, yeah, yeah, yeah. which hasn't been happening recently, anybody's got any hint of it goes early. Now a lot of these guys are already moving on. Uh, Carson Wentz, right? He hadn't been in the league that long, and he went early, and he's already changed teams. Darnold's already changed teams, so they're all in on these guys early in the draft. These last four to five years, Prescott's the last fourth rounder to to hit. But just because they're all in on you early, you know, two, three years down the line, they're ready to move on. But the next big thing coming in. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk with Craig Bullerjack. Joe Ingles is here in the 9 o'clock hour. Time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic. And, Andrew, you've been talking about guys who've been struggling with uh, ED, and you've got a breakthrough treatment. No pill, no injections, no surgery, and lots of medical studies saying this really does work. Yeah, there are. We've talked about that Cambridge study uh, backing this technology for a while. And now a new one, um, a pretty big urology outfit. They tested our exact technology on men with ED. And kind of interesting, they intentionally tested it on guys that were no longer responding to the pill. So I'm kind of assuming severe erectile dysfunction, maybe a lot of health conditions, maybe it was older guys, and the success rates through the roof. They said that this rehabilitates erectile tissue, and it's the new standard of care for ED. So if you've been wondering, hey, does this stuff really work? I've been hearing about this. The science is there. We've helped a lot of guys repair the blood vessels, uh, improve blood flow in this part of the body, and turn back the clock in the bedroom. And like you said, not having to take the pill, uh, that's a really great thing for a lot of guys. So I think some people want to know how effective each of these potential treatments are, but other people want to know what are the side effects with each of these potential treatments, and speak to that. Yeah, the success rate, uh, if we're looking at, a, at the clinical studies, and then I can talk about our feed, the feedback we see, 85%, 90%, that's where they generally all come in. Um, so the success rate is pretty high. Feedback from the patients would match that. We hear from our guys all the time. This is working. I'm noticing it. I'm noticing it improved, improved blood flow. Um, you know, the pill hasn't been working. So the science is sound. The results have been incredible. And we also will have you screened by a medical doctor, by the way, just to make sure that you're a good candidate and it really is a blood flow problem. All right. You got a special offer for people right now who want to uh, give this a try. Yes. A lot of value. It's the first step in reversing your ED. And by the way, there's no obligation to do the treatments. You can just take the free. Uh, call us now, the assessment, the exam, the blood flow ultrasound, no charge. That little gift that uh, doesn't fail very often, if ever, it produces immediate results in the bedroom. And also kind of new, 300 bucks off right now. So a lot of value. Call us now. It's all no charge. You can call 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000, the number for Andrew and Wasatch Medical Clinic. To claim that free offer, 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. There's conversations about the Pac-12 about hiring two commissioners, looking and focusing on not necessarily current athletic directors or current conference commissioners, but looking at people from the sports business world. That's what you got with Larry Scott. Stop it. What are they doing? You need to hire somebody 
who specializes in football, who knows football, who knows high-level football, and can execute that at a high level and can support your individual institutions in football. It's a cornered market. The right mind could build it into something indestructible, big, bold, a moneymaker. The right mind could do it. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought you apart by Minky Couture. Mother's Day is May 9th. Get the best blanket ever. That's also the best gift ever for Mother's Day with Minky Couture. Sandy and her staff are doing it again for our listeners, helping you get it right for Mother's Day. Get 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at MinkyCouture.com. That's promo code ZONE50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. Time to welcome in... Craig Bowler, Jack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Bowler, good morning. DJ, PK, how are you? Good. I think one of the reasons we all love to watch sports is you never know what you're going to see. You sit down to watch a game and you just don't know. And in the case of that Jazz Kings game, at the end of the first quarter, yeah, with 30 to 27 or whatever it was, it was kind of a normal first quarter. You had no idea. They were about to break the club record for most points scored in a game. That was a crazy barrage right there. Yeah, the whole game turned out to be, uh, in a lot of ways, record-setting. And you're right. You never know what you're going to get on a given night. I mean, you know, you lose twice uh, to Minnesota. You don't have Donovan. You don't have Mike. And then all of a sudden you come out and and have a record-setting night. Really, looking at the box score, I just was uh, gazing through it again. I sat at the arena last night for a while just kind of thinking about what the heck's going on and, you know, looking ahead to tomorrow night, you know, with Phoenix and and the win they had over the Clippers as well. But, you know, you get eight players and double figures. You have nine players uh, who are seven or more that hit two or more threes. I mean, uh, yeah, the the second quarter was as dominant as you can see. And you look at the final score, 154 to 105. Hard to explain without two all-stars last night, but it shows you, again, the depth. And also, maybe it also tells you where the Jazz are uh, in the sense of understanding the moment, what they have to do. I know it's the Sacramento Kings, and I know they don't have the deer and Fox, but you can also counter that the Jazz didn't have Conley and Donovan Mitchell last night, and they still do that type of damage on the offensive end. And other they play some pretty, pretty uh, strong defense as well. So Mitchell will come back when he comes back. He's 24 years old. He can recuperate and get back, and I don't think that uh, it will take him very long to be where he has been and probably be even better because his arc certainly is rising. Uh, A little concerned about Conley. Do you have any idea as far as uh, precaution versus serious and possibly lingering? You know, PK, this is kind of that ongoing story with, with Mike. He plays it, you know, uh, such a high level. He, he played so well uh, in that second game against Minnesota, and I, you know, I didn't see anything that would tell you that he had, you know, tightening of the hamstring or had re-injured it. But again, after the game, things you know tend to slow down. Adrenaline kind of eases off, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, these athletes know their body very well. In fact, especially a 14-year veteran. But no, to your question, a simple no, I don't. The Jazz are very guarded, always, and always will and always have been about players' health. Uh, I'm going to guess that Mike's going to have to make the call on this somewhat himself on where he's at, how he feels, go through the treatment protocol that he's visited several times. Um, 
but that's a lingering injury that continues to hamper him. And I think his age, you know, jumps on all of us. You know, sometimes these things are going to happen. If it's going to happen now, it's better than it would if it was in the, uh, you know, if it was in postseason play and he can get healthy. Ten games remain, uh, and that's, you know, hopefully time enough to get him back, uh, you know, to a high level. Same with Donovan. Again, uh, to your point, PK, um, you know, Coach Q was asked about Donovan. And, again, it's it's one of those things that it's going to be a day-to-day situation. I don't know really where he's at. I heard he was making progress. Don't know if he's, you know, taking a step back or not. But you make a good point. 24 probably is a good thing, right, instead of, you know, 34 uh, in the sense of how you recover. But, look, it was a you know, it was a pretty wicked, you know, sprain, and it takes time. And, you know, hopefully – and I think the Jazz probably will be, you know, err on caution because they know that, the postseason is could be long and and demanding, so uh, that's my guess on both those players. And right now, you have to go with a, a Joe Ingles and a uh, Royce O'Neal backcourt and George Niang. I thought did a great job last night jumping in as a starter. And here we go. You know, uh, Phoenix is tough. They have those guards with Booker and and Chris Paul who are very quick. They've beaten the Jazz this year. Uh, they, as we say, they like to run downhill. So this is going to be another huge challenge tomorrow night, especially when it's in Phoenix, not in, not at uh, Vivid Arena. I just think if they get one of the two guys back, either one of them, if they can get just one of them back, I don't worry so much about uh, one guy being out because they have Joe and they'll give him yeah, a bigger yeah. role. And he's shown time and again he's better with the bigger role than he is with the smaller role. So one guy doesn't bug me, but when they're both out, that, that you know, and obviously you'd rather have Donovan because he's your go to guy at the end of the game. But I, I just think the track record says as long as they could get one of them back, it'd make a big difference. No, it's a good point. And, you know, I think they missed Donovan, obviously, uh, in Minnesota mm-hmm. uh, because of, again, it gives you that option of an athlete uh, that can actually get into the paint and get to the rim and just change things up, drawing defenders, more spacing, et cetera. Uh, but Mike has had a knack of late, I mean, of just kind of, you know, finding open cutters, and he's been clutching three and the floater and the paint. But you're right. If you get one of them back, Joe does have the ability to take control. He's a great ball handler, and it seems to me he is a more impactful player. He won't say it, but I think the numbers prove out that he's a more impact impactful player when he's on the floor as a starter. He's got the ball in his hands, and he can make quicker decisions, especially with the three. And he has that relationship with the lob, the pass, uh, to go bare, so it kind of opens Rudy up a little bit more too. So I'm of the mindset of watching this team every game that it is about them being healthy, obviously, as it is with every team. And as long as that's the case, I mean, they're going to be fine. I don't know if they're going to win the title, but I think they're going to be fine in that. All right, they didn't shoot the ball well in the second game against Minnesota, so be it. And then they shot it outrageously well. So they're probably not as bad as they were against Minnesota or as good as they are or were against Sacramento. But when you get in the postseason, they got enough quality shooting. As long as they maintain confidence, especially if they're not making shots, still maintain that confidence. And that's my little bit of a criticism is that I thought that maybe confidence led to some reluctance to shoot against Minnesota. Don't do that. And yep. if you fire it up, you're going to be fine. I don't know if you're going to win it all, but I think you're going to be fine. Yeah, I thought they were hesitant too. 
uh, in that second half, which surprised me a little bit. Uh, you know, even Joe uh, was a little hesitant. I don't know if anybody really wanted to, to make the shot, right? But uh, Conley did, and then you know the, the breakdown defensively. Um, you know that Rudy took uh, you know took the heat on, um, and you know stood up and said, "Hey, look on me." Which you know, hey, I think I appreciate that from players. Uh, it was just an odd sequence, and then they couldn't get a shot away. Uh, but you know, looking at last night, PK. You know, if you believe in analytics, uh, and Quinn Snyder is one that does to, to say keep shooting the ball, it's going to happen. You're going to get back into a groove, and they did in in quite a way. I was looking at numbers. I mean, this is incredible. The the, the two games against Minnesota, they shot 104 three point shots and made 35, so about 34 percent. You know, they're near 40 percent on the season. And last night, look at the numbers. I mean, they hit 59 percent of their threes, 24 of 41. And overall, a 64% performance from the floor. You know what, too, guys, I think that's happened uh, in the last couple of games, especially for Bogdanovich, is that early starts are important for him in the sense of seeing the ball go down. He had four straight free throws, and then he started to drive and see the ball go in. I know that Matt and, and Big T always talk about, as a former player, how important early starts are and the confidence you build by seeing the ball go in. So I think Bogey's kind of, Changed his game a little bit to you know to use his size to go in and dominate smaller you know small forwards or or two guards and just say hey I'm going to the rim and then uh, you know last night Bogey kind of showed that got a little momentum going again uh, didn't shoot the three all that well but still got to the line and that's played a big fact a factor in his. I think his turnaround somewhat, but you know the Jazz can drive and score at the rim. They also have mid-range ability, and sometimes that gets lost in this conversation of you know three-point shooting. If you're struggling, go to something else that can help you uh, during the time that you're you're missing threes, and then regain some confidence. Maybe that's what the Jazz learned through this whole process. I'm not sure, but at least last night it looked like they had. I don't know that the Jazz have learned it, but I really think Bogey has because. Going back to PK's point about body language, like he enjoys going to the hoop and blowing by people or scoring oh, yeah. over people. Now, I do think that Sacramento's a little bit of an outlier and we shouldn't get too caught up in it because I didn't think they rotated at all. Once he beat the first guy, he's getting to the rim. You know, and when you when you play the Lakers, there will be help coming. There will yes, be a second will. or third defender. So it'll be different. But Bogey you know, kind of seemed to be an afterthought when he got here, and now he seems his body language says he enjoys it. I'll just blow by you, and I'll get my layup or dunk and my free throws, or sometimes both, and you can't do anything about it. Ha! Yeah, see you later. And I think that's a surprise. We knew him as a three-point shooter when he played for the Pacers, but he's a much more physical player than I thought, you know, as well, and he's showing that again. He forgets it sometimes, but you know what, PK, DJ, to your point, I think there may have been just this mental blockage, too, of do I trust the wrist? If I drive, I may fall. If I drive, I may get hit on the wrist. If I drive and go to the rim, I may hit my wrist on, on, you know, on the rim. Um, so I think he's gotten past that. He doesn't look at the wrist. He doesn't flex it as much as he once did. That was almost an ongoing issue every night. And you know what? It takes time, right? Nearly a year uh, to get through this. But, hey, if that's what it took – uh, you know, and he's got his confidence back, and he's got you know the belief. The Jazz didn't have him in the bubble. I think he's going to be big, a big factor in the postseason. And you know what? And Elias Sova just jumps into my head as well. He's showing why the Jazz signed him, and they've brought him along slowly. 
but last night, you know, he buried a couple of threes, got some rebounds. He played, you know, 14 minutes, and I think he's going to be a factor. I really do. He looks comfortable, by the way. You know, he looked a little shaky, didn't didn't know the offense, but I thought he's he's the last couple of games he's been on the floor. It looks like he's really in a in a much um, much better. Um, well, confidence for one, but just the way he's shooting the ball in rhythm. I, it, it looks like a guy we used to know uh, that uh, hurt the Jazz multiple times during his career. Do you think there's any psychological difference for the Jazz if they finish second or third as opposed to obviously first? PK, that's a good one, man, because how long have they been at the top? Three months? Um, and, you know, I that's a great question. Um uh, you know, I'm sure analytically they've looked at their ability to, to advance one, two, or three, or four, you know, in the seeding wars. Uh, look, you're going to have to play the Clippers or the Lakers sooner than later, right? Uh, that's just the way it is. But I know the Jazz goal is to obviously jump out of the first round and go go much further. Uh, Donovan said it himself last year in the bubble, this isn't going to happen again. So there's, there's some pressure there, too. Look, the one seed has the ability to let Jazz fans enjoy a seventh game if needed. And we know what the Jazz fan base is and how strong uh, they are. And if they open up a few more seats, which is a possibility, it only makes, I think, Utah's chances even greater uh, with home court advantage. So I think there's a little mental part of that because they have played so well at home. And they were one of the few teams, right, to have fans in the stands. So... Yeah, that's that's a great question. The psych, the psychology of where they are. If they lose tomorrow night, uh, what happens um, to the swagger? I guess is saying, "Hey, we're number one," but now we have fallen back. And you can always say, "Well, we don't have Donovan, we don't have Mike, but we'll have them back." And so you don't worry. Not sure how it's going to play out, but if you win tomorrow night, that's a huge boost psychologically knowing that you can still win without two all without two of your all-stars and um that's why tomorrow night basically is going to tell us i think a lot of you know where, which, which where the jazz are going as a one or a two because after that you you only got nine games to play and you come home by the way for five straight home games and that's i think will bode, bode well for the jazz to either uh, rest players uh, get them healthy pk and then move ahead. But, boy, tomorrow night, it's amazing how games, you know, how they fall into place. You lose a couple of Minnesota, and all of a sudden uh, this Phoenix game um, is the one you're, you got circled on your, on your calendar. Questions that Quinn Snyder will never answer and that uh, <laughs> Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck may never even entertain, but wouldn't you like to know which matchups they like and which matchups oh, yeah. they really want. And I just think from the fan perspective, uh, you know, the Jazz and Nuggets played such a great series last year. If the Jazz do drop to two, and if the Nuggets, who are just a game behind the Clippers, finish third, well, the Jazz would still have home court in the second round against the Nuggets. I personally right. think I could really enjoy a Jazz-Nuggets series. Yeah, so, yeah. I, and who's to say if the Jazz get through that – uh, who's to say that you'd be getting the Suns? I mean, you might get the Clippers or Lakers because they'd be 1-4-5 and five, and they'd be battling to get the conference final. You might end up as a two-seed and still have home court in the conference final anyway. Now, that's a whole bunch of suppositions and ifs. and I, mean, I know we're going to spend time on it, but 
there's part of me that doesn't want to because there's so many variables we don't we don't know we don't know how well, this is going to play out and, and you got to throw in the play-in games too so the Jazz if they do finish one or even two they look the way playing. that the yeah. the six uh, the seven and eight you know map out you don't know I mean Quinn said himself he's got to have you know scouts scouting four different teams and you may not you probably you won't know until what Thursday, Friday on, on how it's going to work out and who you're going to play in the first round. You don't know if you play Saturday or Sunday. If you're the one seed, most likely you may slide into a Sunday game right at home, which is an oddity. Uh, but you know, something the jazz are going to have to get used to if, and, and with new ownership, I don't think that's, you know, I don't know if Ryan's going to, uh, Ryan Smith and the, and the group is going to, you know, turn away from that. So, you know, things are changing. And again, if you are the one or two seed, you have to wait to really know who your who your first round opponent is. That's and that's kind of odd because you think you'd be able to kind of get into it knowing you're the one seed. You earned that, but you still now because of the plan have to wait. Unlike some other teams at four and five, on who the heck you're going to play in the first round. So uh, there's still a lot of unknowns, man, and that's what I think the league wants, guys. The plan is for a reason. It's to keep teams engaged, fans engaged. Uh, people still competing, not resting or tanking, and it gives uh, obviously now the one and the twos. They have to wait to really see, to really see who their first round opponents are going to be, and so that brings excitement right to the final couple of weeks of the season. And here we are, almost May first on Saturday, and that gives us just a little over two weeks uh, before the season ends on uh, on the sixteenth. Bowler, as always, we appreciate it. We will uh, we'll hear you on the call Friday night. Yeah, anxious to see how this one turns out. Uh, the downhill running of uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker against Jingle and Joe. I guess I am I the the first or second warm up act for his show today. Uh, you're touring separately. Uh, it's different hours of the show. There's no warm up act today. He's no maybe he's in a stadium tour and you're in an arena tour, but you know whatever. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, he deserves the stadium tour. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> there you go. He can, he can <laughs> pack him in. Yeah. yeah, pack him. All, All right. right Thanks, Bowler. All right, DJ and PK coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Joe Ingles, we got a lot of reaction coming up to the NFL draft tonight and the future for Zach Wilson. We'll get to that coming up. Stay with us. The Big Show show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. He covers the Jets for the New York Post. Brian Costello with us. Zach Wilson, obviously highly touted. If he does go to the Jets, what are his prospects for immediate success? Yeah, it's going to be a while. The Jets, obviously, they went 2-14 and 14 last year. they got a lot of work to do. They have 21 draft choices in the next two years, so they have the ammunition to do it. But it's not going to be overnight. He's going to have some growing pains with this team this year. I think it's going to be a rough year. See how quickly he plays. You know, my suspicion is he'll play right away if they're picking up number two. But I think it'll be a rough season for the Jets and I think his best hope is that they can add some pieces this year, add some pieces next year, and maybe have a better outcome in 2022. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision to Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. So, Zach Wilson, going to be the number two pick in the draft tonight. Everybody in the NFL seems to believe that. But what will the Jets get in Zach Wilson with the second pick? 
And Bart says, a person who never beat Utah. Oh, Bart, 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 Bart. Bay Area Rapid Transit, what do you know? A lot of people think they're funny, PK. Mark says, they're going to get a quarterback. Yeah, these guys, they're pathetic lives. They're going to get a quarterback, comma, David. (laughs) Uh, I feel lectured. They're doofuses. Don't worry about it. Eric says, a championship. (laughs) And he spells it properly. C-H-O-M-P. Chomp. In ship. Why would he do that? I believe it has something to do with his hero (laughs) worship of you. That would be awesome. No BYU quarterbacks ever won a championship. M. Squirrel says... Except for McMahon and Young. Except for those guys. M. Squirrel (laughs) says a second win by the end of the season. Man, that's, that's low even by Jet standards. And their standards are pretty low. But they're coming off a two-win season, so I guess they could, they could have another one. A little misleading in that. In that, I mean, a two and fourteen is what it is. I mean, you can't argue with that, and that's why they make uh, wholesale changes on the coaching staff, obviously. But Donald was in and out of the lineup, and then they were going with a hundred and seven-year-old Flacco, weren't they not? Yep. Uh, so and he started in four or five games. Yeah, you, you got to stay healthy. There's just no question about that. Uh, and you would think that. The division is easier because the Patriots weren't as good, but Buffalo has ascended, so maybe that's a little bit of a wash. And Miami's gotten better, too. So the Patriots are down. Last year they were down several pegs. I don't know that that's what they're going to be long-term or at least in the immediate future. I think you've got to give them an opportunity. Last year was a funky season. They had a lot of guys opt out. Uh, So when we, we get back to normal, uh, I can argue the division is a little bit better. So it's harder to win, and you're playing those guys obviously twice. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure the schedule is not out for next season, right? Although they know which they know their opponents. Yeah. Uh, so, but hey, yeah, this is the NFL, man. The thing about it is, is on, on any given Sunday, which I really believe that that is true in the NFL, and the margin of victory and defeat isn't that great. But still, you only won two games. So you get four, five, six wins next year. You're looking at wow, that's a major improvement. Well, I have to see. But on paper, that's what it looks like. So I don't think Zach Wilson's going to come in and just light the world on fire next season. But at the same time, I'm expecting him to be, if he's starting in week one and we get to week 16, I'm expecting him to be substantially better. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing well. For the 9 o'clock listeners who weren't here earlier this morning, you were telling us about a new study. You've been talking about the Cambridge study for a while, but there's another study out, a newer one, looking at uh, ED and the potential treatments and the one you're using. Yes, exactly. So this is for a guy struggling in the bedroom with any kind of ED. Uh, This was from a big urology outfit. They basically tested our exact technology, the strongest one, on guys with ED. And it was, you know, 50 pages long, but at the end of it, they wrote their conclusion and they said it's the new standard of care for ED and that it rehabilitates erectile tissue. This is really cool stuff. It repairs blood vessels, opens up circulation, 
and has really helped a lot of guys get rid of the erectile dysfunction, get rid of the need to take the pill, and we've helped so many guys do that. If you're out there struggling in the bedroom, this really can work. So why do men want to stop taking the pill for ED? Because I guess the one thing that you probably have that people have to overcome with your treatment is coming in and talking to somebody else. It's not as private, uh, but at the same time, some guys want to stop taking that pill. Right. And I would say if you're taking the pill and you have zero side effects and it's working fantastically, I'd probably keep doing it. But if you're noticing headaches, if you're noticing that there's really no spontaneity, uh, this is definitely for you. Most of the time, guys don't get the results they want. They suffer side effects the next day. They're taking more and more of the pill. It's expensive. This is more natural function on demand. That's what we all want in the bedroom. Well, you've got a special offer for people right now. Yes, we do. The assessment, the exam, the blood flow ultrasound with our doctor, all free. That's a lot of value, frankly. Um, the little gift, guys love this. It produces immediate results in the bedroom. And right now, this is kind of new, 300 bucks off. Uh, give us a call. It's all no charge. 801-901-8000. That's the phone number. Call Wasatch Medical right now at 801-901-8000. Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. DJ PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller. DJ and the PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. All right, we're getting a lot of feedback. What are the Jets getting in Zach Wilson? Everyone expecting the Jets to use the second pick in the draft on him tonight. Calvin tweets out his PK. They're getting a high-ceiling, low-floor gamble guy who could potentially guide the Jets back into playoff contention as early as 2022 or 2023. Mm. That's not the kind of uh, tweet we've been getting this morning. This is different. You're going to need a minute to cogitate on that, aren't you? A little more positive, certainly. That, yeah, I don't know that they would be a if they're a contender next season, not this coming season, but the season after twenty two. That would that's probably best case scenario, you would think. Um, and at that point, uh, he'd be the toast of the town if he's running around uh, leading them in playoff contention. And we get in December, even if really they didn't get there, if they were in playoff contention, and not one of these deals where it's uh, six and ten is putting you in it. Although six and ten next season, I think obviously to me is a significant. Yeah, but you're you're referencing that NFC East race, and that was yeah. really weird. I think, right. but I think with the seven game, and and I don't think that'll happen unless there's multiple quarterback injuries in that division, because it looks like you know the Bills and and even the Dolphins, you know, should be good enough to avoid that kind of division where six and ten can win it. Uh, but I do think this new this new format is more forgiving. There's a seventh team in now, so nine and seven will put you in contention. It might right. put you in. So and I, really, and I'm okay with that. By 2022, can they have a winning record? And we've seen enough teams go from worst to first that, you know, having two years to get to nine and seven, that's, that's not ridiculous. Now, what Calvin does say, a high ceiling, low floor. So while, yes, he's saying everything could come together— and when you say low floor, that means you're leaving the door open for this all to fall apart. Well, of course. I think you have to do that for everybody. Yeah. Uh, second round or second picks have had low floors. So why shouldn't Zach Wilson? He's no different in that regard. This isn't exactly in a total science, as they would say. 
you know, Trevor Lawrence, uh, they're saying like he's the best prospect since Andrew Luck, who was the best prospect since Peyton Manning, who was the best prospect since John Elway. All right, I just went back 30, 40 years, and I've only come up with four guys that uh, the, the experts were pretty well confident that that individual would succeed as an NFL quarterback. And, you know, Luck had the injuries, but certainly the others that I mentioned definitely succeeded. And Luck was decent, too. He made some playoff experiences and then uh, got out of there as his body just wouldn't cooperate before he even turned 30. So we know that story. Uh, so, But everybody else is in the question mark. Because if they weren't in the question mark, then Drew Brees wouldn't go second, Russell Wilson third, and Prescott fourth, and Brady sixth. <laughs> Come on. All that stuff is out there. So, yes, I think everybody, virtually, I should say virtually everybody, has the potential for a low ceiling. I mean, Sam Darnold was the third pick just three years ago. And now he's on to Carolina. And the yeah. thing is, it's not just the rookies. I mean, look at Bridgewater, who played in Minnesota, goes to the Saints as a backup, goes 5-0, and signs a free agent deal in Carolina, and a year later, they're basically paying the Broncos to take them off their hands. Well, that's because they got Darnold, though. Okay, but, well, I mean, Darnold's all that? I mean, he's going to be a slam dunk? No, but I'm just saying, I think you have to put in the equation of why they got rid of Bridge- Bridgewater because they got Darnold, and if they had had... Uh, if they didn't have Darnold, maybe they go again with Bridgewater. I don't know the answer to that. I, I just feel like those guys are both, at best, maybes. Bridgewater, even all of this time in the league, he could put together a year. Yeah, but he had a massive injury, too. He did. Uh, I would go more Jameis Winston, who didn't have injuries. None, none that I could think of. And all he's got to do is eliminate the picks, and he will be all of that. He's already making the big plays. He's throwing. You throw 30 touchdown passes in the NFL, that's a Big How number. many interceptions? Yeah, thirty though. So that takes the <laughs> takes the shine right off that, doesn't it? So stop throwing the picks. But he was the gonna, number one pick. I know. Stop throwing the picks. You'll be the man. You you are right there. Well, yeah. Well, you're the man. Either you're the man or you're not the man. It's yep. not. Well, yeah. he's not the man then because he's got the picks. Uh, so, and he was the number one pick, and so uh, everybody, everybody's a question mark. Uh, it. There are question marks when they come out of high school, going into the college ranks, and are they more of a question mark? I don't know. I can't answer that. I'd have to think about that more. But what I do know is the stakes are higher, and jobs literally are lost on all that stuff. Uh, and that's the way it is. Jobs are secured on all that stuff. Is Bill Belichick recognized as the genius without Tom Brady? I don't know. No. I can't say that. I can guess. That's what makes sports talk the fun uh, medium that it is, is because we could go around and around, and you could say yes, and I can say no, and I can't disprove you, and you can't disprove me. Uh, but the fact is, jobs are won and lost, or kept and kept and lost, I should say, based on what you do at your quarterback position, and a lot of that is based on what the draft is at that quarterback position, right? Yes, that is uh, – I mean, the, the the draft has become so important to quarterbacks. I just think guys that used to go in the second and third round, you know, how long did it take in each individual draft before you got the fifth quarterback drafted? And I think one year you'll find it was the second round, and one year you'll find it was the fourth, and that's not how it works anymore. Three of the top six last year. No. Looks like it's going to be like five of the top 
seven, eight, nine picks this year. But I also think, too, the advancement of the quarterback is far more sophisticated than it used to be. Yeah, but not so sophisticated. Because of guys like John Beck and whatnot. Right, but not so sophisticated that they all make it. No, no, but they're all worth the gamble because they all look good in college to one degree or another, and then they all look great in shorts. Well, they so, do. Yes, there is that part about they all look great with the pads off and without the 300 pound D lineman about ready to rip them in half and, you know, bury them five feet deep underneath the. Yes. But even when we see these guys play, you still don't know for sure what you have. What I think we've learned is that if you don't have a good quarterback, the field is so tipped against you these days. You've just got to have a good quarterback. And you're still not 100% sure if that guy's good, but you know if you don't have a good quarterback, you're doomed. So you're all in on the next guy, whether the next guy is a free agent, a bus getting drafted, or gambling on a college kid coming And you out. have to be because they've altered the rules so dramatically <laughs> yeah, right? yep. to where they're forcing your hand to gamble. You don't. It's like you don't have any choice because you, you know you can get in the fourth round a linebacker or whatever a running yeah. back. Name the position. You know, not you know maybe you're not going to get the most elite dude out there. You know, JJ Watt or whomever, but you can get somebody who can help you. So the system basically has forced these teams to go all in on this and have this big mad bull rush, as they say in football, towards the quarterback because you don't want to be the one who gets left out. You don't want to be the one that passed on Patrick Mahomes, but what was it, 12 or 13 teams did, and probably I'd have to go back and see which teams and which teams have quarterbacks, but the ones who don't, Chicago Bears, (laughs) you are just beating yourself up, man. We had this dude right there, not but several teams passed on him, because obviously in any draft, I don't care what draft it is, he comes out, he's the number one pick, knowing what we know now. Yeah, I know what we know now, without question. And he was the 10th pick in the the draft, yeah. I thought he was like 14, but 10. So nine teams, obviously. And the Chiefs on him. moved up to get him. Uh, yeah, they did. Andy Reid knew what he wanted, traded up. And to knew get New him. Orleans wanted him. And Correct. so New Orleans was 11. So he, he traded up for, for 10. So and, if I'm Andy Reid, I retire and just become a quarterback draft guru. <laughs> and you pay me hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars, and I'll tell you who to draft. Or he's going to win and, Super Bowls. And you're right about the Bears. <laughs> they took Trubisky in that draft second. And they traded up to get Trubisky. And, and the Jets took a safety. They took Jamal Adams. with Who's now with the Seahawks. Who's now gone. Yeah. And he was the sixth pick in the draft. And Mahomes Decent was player, on the board. Very good player. Right. But, but it's right to the point yeah, yeah, that it. if yeah. you go after a safety and you don't have a quarterback, you're going to get fired. And the GM got fired and the coach got fired. And I don't even know who they had at the time. I couldn't tell you. And why they didn't uh, go for Mahomes. Yeah. Because we're going back a few years and I can't remember. We are getting back to the 2017. Sanchez, I guess. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that, that's what that's why it makes it all the more intriguing. And you can you can get players of Pro Bowl caliber who weren't even drafted, and nobody bats an eyelash. Whereas a Lugans Dortz comes in a Dort and short scores 
30 points against the Jazz, and everybody's raving. Well, if he was a top three or four pick, nobody would really be raving. Why are we raving? Because he was undrafted. That's the NBA that's so dramatically different. But in the NFL, since it's such a huge numbers game, you can get a player that was undrafted and three or four years later, even sooner, be a big-time contributor, and nobody really rolls their eyes. Christian Hackenberg, Bryce Petty on the Jets' final roster in 2017. Bryce Petty, was he Baylor? Where Bryce Petty go? Uh, he went to Baylor. Yes, good call. And Hackenberg, I know, was Penn State. Uh, so yeah, and Hackenberg. Okay, Hackenberg. Well, my gosh, he played a big time schedule, <laughs> right? So we're gonna. He did. The, the, so the, the the crummy schedule versus if scheduling mattered, then uh, we would know who was going to be great or not. So that the, uh, GMs and all and owners and all they probably coaches they probably wish scheduling was such a big deal because then it would be less of a crapshoot if scheduling was that high of a requirement on what makes a great NFL quarterback. But there's so much overwhelming evidence over many many years that scheduling. Doesn't mean jack squat. Would Phil Sims, multiple Super Bowl winners, would he go to Moorhead State? Yep. Well, and uh, the Mac produces, uh, it was uh, Miami of Ohio, right? To get Ben Roeth- Roethlisberger. Benny Ross, yeah. First time I ever heard of him was Kyle Whittingham. Coming on the air telling us, because yeah. I think the Utes were playing CSU, and they, they lost to Miami of Ohio or played a close game. I can't remember what it was. And he's like, hey, don't sleep on Miami, Ohio. They got a quarterback you're going to hear a lot. Hard last name to say, Ben Roethlisberger. He's really good. Oh, okay. Ron Jaworski, Youngstown State. Now you're going back to a different era, baby. <laughs> Jaws. Yeah, but that proves the point that it's been that way. It has been. And I think the thing is that when you go to the powerhouse schools, so it, and there is an, the thing is it's a great criticism for people to throw out because there's an element of truth to it and you can hold on to it but the problem with going to a powerhouse and going to you know usc's had a lot of quarterbacks drafted or going to alabama or whoever else you want they're surrounded by so much talent it masks some of their problems they're hitting elite they're handing off to elite running backs which means play action they got forever to throw the ball and they're thrown to elite receivers. And so it can kind of hide some of their flaws. It so can. there's a there's yeah. a risk. It doesn't matter where it is. There's always a risk, no, no matter totally what quote unquote level yeah. of college. Football I mean, we're gonna go at. through this next year with Slovis, this this time next year at SC. And who's who's the guy that we have on uh, Abraham? Mm-hmm. And he said this year, and it was in a, a crazy, stupid five or four game season. And we had him on when they were playing the uh, before they played the Utes. He said, "Well, SC's receivers, you know, they don't have the depth that they've had in years past." And I said, "Oh, what? So they only have three NFL receivers uh, on their on their roster now, and and two of them are going to go this week in Vaughn's and uh, St. Brown. So yeah, I mean, they've got all these studs. And so what is Slovis? You know, Slovis looked like to me, his freshman year, he looked like a young Joe Montana. I can't really judge him last season. I'm not gonna make any judgments on last season. But just his accuracy was just incredible as a first year freshman. So now we're gonna go next year on because I assume he's gonna come out after three years, right? Which is the the rules. And so whoa I mean he played a big time schedule, but he had all this talent 
and this Brew McCoy uh, is going to be all that, and he showed a little bit last year, and he'll show more this year and all that stuff. And so, you know, wh- how good is he? Because SC's got they've, – they've, they've basically return, uh, turned into receiver U. They've gone from tailback U to receiver U the last few years, last several – I would need a program to list all the receivers that they've had in the NFL. Juju Smith, Aguilar, on and on, Williams. I can't even name them all, so I'm not even going to try – uh, they've got so many of them. So how much does that help him? Chuck the ball up. We saw that he didn't play against the Utes when they lost their only regular season conference game two years ago. He got hurt, and then they brought in uh, Ratfink came in. He was chucking the ball up, and those guys were coming down against NFL DBs, no less. That's how good they were. Rat, so, Ratfink came in. Yeah, yeah, he did, right? And he was throwing the ball deep, and these guys were coming down with the ball. Uh, it was crazy to see, but yet it happened. And so the Utes lost one game. They went 8-1 and one that season, pretty doggone good season. Those things happen. So how do you judge all this stuff? It makes it all fascinating. If you're not into this, then I don't know what's the point of being a sports fan because for me, it is so intriguing. And the, the intrigue tonight obviously starts at number three, right, because we're expecting a Lawrence and Wilson by all accounts, and then what are the Niners going to do? Mac Jones, Justin Fields. Some guys think Justin Fields should be ahead of Justin or uh, Zach Wilson. Blah blah blah. You can go back and forth and volleyball this till you're blue in the face, and then it'll get going from real in September, and we'll all judge it. We'll all watch it. it, it it's so, to me, it's so much fun. It's the and for especially for someone like myself who doesn't have a favorite team and doesn't live and die by the Steelers or whichever favorite team you have. That's that's the fun part of it to me, to see what these guys do and how they turn out. And now we've got one of our own. And not only is he one of our own, he's one of our own high school own, too. So it's double in terms of the connection and interest. I will definitely be dialed in, having gone to so many high school games over the years here. I can't believe there's two kids out of Utah that are going top ten for sure. But maybe top eight, top six, you know, how quickly will they go? The teams in the draft, and of course anybody can trade out. Atlanta, they got an older quarterback, so at four they could draft one or they could trade the pick. But Cincinnati at five and Miami at six, they already have their guys. They got Burrow and Tua. So you would think, and maybe they'll trade down too. Maybe that's where the Patriots or someone else will try to jump in. But you'd think, yeah. you'd think, like, okay, now the best players at these other positions come off the board. By six, even if there's five – I don't think the top five picks will be five quarterbacks. But by five and six – No, Pitts the, is going to go in there. The best quarterbacks ought to be off the board. Uh, it's so much fun to pay attention to. And before we go, I know we're going to go quick. Uh, you know, I don't pay a lot of attention to high school, but the thing about it is those high school coaches told me that Zach was all that. And then that one time when BYU had the practice down in St. George, the spring practice, and I went to it at Dixie High, and I saw all the coaches gathered around Sewell. I had no idea who Sewell was. He was a high school co- a high school player. And I asked one of the BYU coaches, who's that guy, and why is everybody paying him so much attention? And here we are, what, four years later. Yeah, now we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly. It's fun. It's fun to watch and see it develop. All right, DJ and PK, it is time now to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Join us to tell you all about a breakthrough treatment. No pill, no injections, no surgery, and more research saying it really does work. Right, Andrew? Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, For a guy struggling with ED, sensitive topic, obviously, 
um, we have now actually the two most advanced forms of acoustic wave therapy. What it basically does, kind of like breaking down a muscle in the gym and building it up stronger, we use pressure waves to agitate the blood vessels in this part of the body. That causes them to soften, open up, and even regrow. That means that when the timing is right in the bedroom, the blood flows properly, and it usually only takes a few short 10-minute treatments over about two to three weeks. And you're right, the clinical data continues to come in. This is fairly new, uh, but there are now 40 clinical studies. Pretty cool. The most recent one said it's the new standard of care for ED. It rehabilitates erectile tissue. Uh, The big attraction, I think, is guys don't have to turn to the pill. They get more on-demand function, and we've helped a lot of guys. By the way, a lot of younger guys, too, that just want to improve, uh, turn back the clock in the bedroom. So you're hearing a lot of results from a lot of different patients, a lot of different stories afterwards? We really are, yeah. Um, Guys generally say, I'm glad I don't have to take the pill. We had a 60-year-old gentleman, for example, who got back to function like when he was 40. Not 20. You know, it wasn't a miracle worker, but it did did the job. He was able to eliminate the pill completely, and that's pretty cool. So you've got a special offer right now if people pick up the phone and call 801-901-8000. Yes, and there's actually more value today than normal. Uh, The assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound with our doctor, that's free. The little gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom, really popular, really cool. That's free. And it's 300 bucks off now. So there's a lot of value. Give us a call now, guys. It's all no charge. 801-901-8000. Call Wasatch Medical and Andrew Reinhardt at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update, presented by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Ring the 30-point bell. Bell, bell. The Utah Jazz score a club record 154 points. They blow out the Kings 154-105. If it felt really different than the Minnesota game, well, Quinn Snyder thought he saw some parallels between the two games. Probably in the minority, but I actually thought we played well last night. We, we didn't shoot well last night. And tonight, we played well in a, in a different way. I thought the ball really moved for us to be the team we want to be. You know, our guys just trusting each other, changing sides, making quick decisions, and then obviously defending. So I, I just thought we were solid tonight, and obviously we made, we made shots. That the Jazz did. They made shots. They blow out the Kings. They stay one game in front of the Phoenix Suns. The Suns beat the Clippers 109-101. The Jazz are in Phoenix to play the Suns with a one-game lead in the race for the top spot in the West. That game is Friday night at 8 o'clock. That's your Jazz at 30 update brought to you by Syringa Networks. It's the best station, period. Utah's longest-running, highest-rated sports radio show. This is DJ and PK, presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Ah! 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 
They're back, PK. Shots are going in. The Jazz are winning again. Ride the wave. It's cresting. It's peaking. Hop back on board the bus. Unless you never got off the bus. I don't think I did. Two games. If I, if if two games gets me off the bus, which you in which you didn't have Mitchell, was I really on the bus in the first place? I mean, I think that's a legitimate question. So I got to see more. Uh, let's let's get through these ten games. Uh, to me now, the number one priority is you don't want to go zero and ten, but I don't need you to go nine and one either. Uh, find a way to be be healthy. Be healthy going into the season. And then it's on, man. And let's see what happens at that point. All right. It is time to welcome in the man, the myth, the legend, Joe Ingalls. Joe Ingalls, brought to you by Cypress Credit Union, where your future is our future. Hey, yeah. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic. And certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. (laughs) With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK brought to you by Cypress Credit Union for a limited time only. Get a free Utah Jazz signed Joe Ingles jersey when you open a new dream checking account with direct deposit at Cypress Credit Union. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Joe, I'm curious, how many jerseys did you sign for this promotion? <laughs> I do not do anything. Everything is, um, no, no, no jerseys. It's all me. Well, you're on the road again. This is a week, basically a week road trip here before you get back home. At this point in the season, how much is it a mental drudgery to find your way to get through it? Uh, You've played so many games, so many trips and all that stuff, and you still got 10 games to go. Um, Yeah, I mean, it is. It's a little bit of that. Um, Obviously, I think, I mean, Every team at this point is um, no. I would be surprised if any player was playing at 100. percent Everyone's a bit fatigued or a little bit beat up, injury-wise or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, it's just obviously. I think for us, and I've said it a few times, it's probably really boring. But just about keep getting better and better and being better the next game and if, if we're not then we, we're trying to figure it out what, what we did or what we need to do to be better the next game um, so obviously we had a couple of losses in there and um, go and kind of look at it and figure it out and go back out and then have another crack it's it's it's, uh, it's just the way it is so um, yeah you just got to be locked in as best you can Um like you said, it's kind of our last big trip. I think we got one more trip of one game and one of two, and that's all we've got uh, kind of over the rest of the year. So, um, yeah, he's figuring it out, still trying to get better, and, and obviously um, getting ready for the playoffs. 
Tell me about that pregame speech you must have given last night. Guys, I know these last two games have have been hard, but I'm on the radio with DJ and PK tomorrow. Let's let's go shoot 58% from three. Let's score 154 points. Let's set a club record. Let's turn this mood around and fire it up for the radio show. Am I right? Um, yeah, it was it was very close to that. Coach mm-hmm. brought it up again. Coach knew um, what was going on, so um, a lot of credit to him for for getting the guys ready for the the win for the radio show. Um, but no, it was. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you ever can say we were we were that prepared or, or that ready to to play. I think we um, we knew what we needed to do. We knew. Um, I mean, even going into it, my mindset, like we're obviously we're obviously down Mike and, and Donovan, and um, me figuring out how to how to help and how to not how to help, but how how to kind of. I've played a lot of point guard here, not a lot of times with both our point guards out, and both all stars out, <laughs> um, so it's a little bit different. So. Um, I was kind of going into it, just trying to figure out what I could do, kind of controlling the the tempo. Obviously, obviously trying to trying to help us win the game, but um, pushing the ball, running the, the the right plays for the right guys. Um, obviously, knowing that, um, I feel the I didn't know at the time, but obviously all of our young guys got in. Obviously, by the end of it, but um, yeah, getting them involved and, and when they're in the game, trying to trying to keep them in the flow with, with what we were doing. So, um, yeah, I don't think we anyone would have prepared for, for what we did. But, um, no, it was, I think we moved the ball well. Um, I think obviously, the, the package was a bit more basic again, uh, which we've talked about before, just to, to, to play and, and be free a little bit. And guys were moving the ball and, and, and shooting shots. And, and obviously, we made shots, I think, if... I mean, if we make what two or three, maybe only more shots in that second Minnesota game, we probably win as well. So there's a fine line with that, and um, we we shot the ball and 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 made a lot of them. So it was a it was a good night. So I grew up in Phoenix, went to uh, high school and college there, and worked there in a while. And both my wife and our families are all down there. So I know that. The Suns were the original pro team in that area, and when they win, the town gets way excited, and they're winning now, so that town is way excited. I've talked to my sister. She's a big Suns fan again and all that stuff, so they're going to view it as a big game when you play the Suns. How are you or the Jazz going to view it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same, the same as the last game, and the 60 whatever before that we, we, we're going to continue to, to keep trying to get better um, obviously we want to win the game we're, we're not going into the game to lose um, I guess same kind of thing as, as the last game we just had like it's a, it's a little bit of figuring out figuring it out along the way um, me handling the ball from, from the get go obviously not having Mike and Don there to to, uh, to help me or me help them Um but no, we'll, we, it, I mean it's a we, we've we've lost to them. Um, they've got a game plan um, which they actually have called. I think they coach or someone was saying they call we're calling out Utah, so it's a kind of a specific game plan for us. And um, so so we know they'll they'll be ready, and um, we just got to come out. I, I think exactly 
with the mindset we did of last game is to, to play play free, to, to move the ball and, and, and shoot the ball. Um, and then I think what we did yesterday on the defensive end, granted we scored whatever we scored, 100 and whatever the franchise record was. Um, we, we, we were also defending and we, we were also not giving up offensive rebounds. They, they at some point in the game, they, they had kind of nothing off offensive rebounds and, and turnovers. So that, that, that was obviously a key of um, for us to get a shot up, make more possessions offensively. So, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun out there tomorrow. So you played against Chris Paul in, uh, well, obviously in Phoenix this year, Oklahoma City last year, Houston before that, and before that the Clippers. Has he changed at all? Has he is his game changed that much since you were in camp with them? How well did you get to know him then? Um, he's a lot older now, as we <laughs> all are. <laughs> um, no, I think he's. I mean, I think for him, what's made him so good and continues to be good is. Um, everyone knows the leadership and the, the, the communication side of it and all that, but I think he just keeps finding more and more ways to to, to be effective, to, to keep helping his teams. Um, he obviously, and I don't even really know, but I'm assuming he's 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 not this exactly the same guy. I don't think he'd be feeling as as healthy and good as he did seven years ago out there. Um, but I know he. I know he spends a lot of time on his on his body and preparation and, and diet and all that. To to I mean, what is he like? Late thirties. Um, to to still be playing at a still be playing in the NBA at that point is impressive. But to to also be playing at the the level that he has the last couple of years, especially a little bit last year with that OKC team, what he did, and then he's he, he's. I mean, he's almost pretty much done the same thing here. Um, Helps when you've got Devin Booker, you've got Aiden, you get a Jay Crowder, uh, all those guys. So, um, yeah, they're a good team. They've obviously built something. Um, I think yesterday or the day before, whenever they clinched the playoff, it was the first time in 10 years. So they, they've obviously been building something and they've, they've done a good job so far. And, and he's obviously um, a, a massive piece of that. From game to game, how much, uh, as far as confidence goes with shooting, is it fickle? Well, I mean, it, like, it kind of just is what it is. Like, you go into a game and you've done everything you can, obviously, prior to, to tip off. Um, you've done your routine. You've done whatever, maybe you shot the day before, maybe you didn't, maybe we had a day off, or whatever the, the, the schedule was, um, and you go in there and, I mean, sometimes you shoot, you might shoot 10 of them and they all feel feel like the, the 10 best shots you've shot and they, they rim out or they just roll out and you, you don't make one or maybe you make one or two or whatever. Um, and there's days that you don't even think you're shooting the ball well or you don't, it doesn't feel that good. It doesn't even, it barely hits the net. Um so it's uh, you, you just kind of. For me, it's a lot of the time. It's it's what we've talked about, like not taking bad ones, because I think the percentages just go way down um, when you, you're taking a shot that's not comfortable or it's not the shot your shot, quote unquote. Um, 
so it's, yeah, I think it's like you go into it and it, like I said, like I mean, it's what it is. Like if you you get good looks, obviously we it's not like I'm gonna miss a couple and start shooting with my right hand to try that. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that you can do that way. But it's it's about finding space, knowing the game plan, knowing when you can shoot. I, I think that was kind of a a little bit of a lead into like that Minnesota game. Like we we shot sixty something threes, and and I think a lot of them were were really good shots. Like I don't think many of them at all were were bad shots. I shot thirteen, and I don't, I don't know if I've ever shot thirteen before. But I was thinking about it after, and I was like, maybe I took some bad ones. I was like, there might have been like one or two that I wouldn't like normally always take, but I also didn't feel like they were like horrible. So it's like, um. But they they weren't going in. If I make six of them that day, we maybe we win by ten. Like it's yeah. a it's a fine line. So it's just about uh, I think you do all that preparation, you do the, the stuff to get ready for a game, and then when you get out there, you you, you shoot the ball with confidence, whether you are five for five or over for five. Um, well, I mean, we've all seen it a million times where you don't make a shot all game, and then you make a big one at the end, or, or vice versa. You can make a bunch at the start. And, and, Kind of cool off, so um, yes. Um, the the beauty of of playing the sport we play. Thirteen is your season high for three pointers, Joe. You have let it rip many games, but not like that. I, I, want, <laughs> I want to double back to something you said earlier in the interview about uh, figuring out how to play when both guys are gone, because you've played when either Donovan's been out or Mike's been out, yeah. but now they're they're both out. And I'm curious how different that is, because it just seemed to me that you, well, you'd be running pick and rolls with Rudy and with Derek, whoever's in the game, and you'd be looking for your three. And so I, I guess I figured how often you're doing it would probably, you'd probably run more pick and rolls and run the offense more, but I thought you'd run it the same way. How would it be different? Um, I mean, it's, I don't know how often. I'm sure a few times, but I don't know how often I've I've started at point guard and played it for. Obviously, last night was a little different because I only played it probably less than we anticipated or, or thought maybe going in. Like, you never think you're going to win by fifty. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just I think it's hard to explain. I think it's just it's just different. I'm I'm usually like kind of that secondary ball hander even if I'm out there with Mike or, or whatever obviously Mike's a point guard Donovan's a point guard and if I get a rebound or they've taken off then obviously I can bring it and, and then obviously there's stretches where I, I play kind of the backup minutes um, as a point guard um, and I think I mean especially this year there's always been one of them there but when I have done it this year at the times that I have I know what I'm running. I know what it's for. I know that all the team knows. It's usually that group of like Mike and I, one of us is in there or depending on injuries, um, sometimes both of us, sometimes one of us, but a lot of stuff for for JC, a lot of pick and rolls for for Mike and I or whoever's in. Um, So it's just a bit more of the the kind of controlling the the game a little bit, starting, um, I mean, First, second, second possession, whatever. Like my hike was picked me up full court. Like that's not, you don't get that when you're playing against the the kind of the second unit. It, it, it'll be like that tomorrow. The Javon Carter and those guys um, are going to pick up full court regardless. So it's it, it's just different. It's not it's not massive. Um, I, I'm not saying 
like I was uncomfortable because it's I'm the primary kind of ball handler or, or whatever. Um, but it is it's just different. A lot more um, thinking. Uh, there was a couple of possessions where we we as good as 150 odd points. Look, there was a couple of possessions where I even got. Like I kind of had like a brain freeze bringing the ball up of like what to what to run real quick because I was trying to who haven't I who haven't I ran a play for like has JC had a shot has I, have I got boy on one maybe it's George's turn maybe I would get Rudy involved like wh- whoever was out there um, and there was a couple in a row where I literally had like this brain freeze and we had te- we ran terrible offense and we we didn't get good shots and I think coach called a timeout and I was like that was on me like I just literally had. A kind of blurred moment of of what to run. So it's just things like that that usually I can throw the ball to Michael Donovan. They'll they'll figure it out, and um, maybe it will be a play for me. So um, yeah, it's just it's a little bit different. Um, but I think after last night, um, obviously going a bit more prepared, knowing kind of exactly what to run at all times, and, and then the the back end kind of boring part for a lot of people but it's also me trying to help Trent when Trent's in there as well um, just keeping him confident and knowing what to run and, and pushing the ball and, and stuff like that so um, yeah it's uh, it's a little bit different but it's all uh, it's all good Which is the team prioritizing the number one seed? Um, and we want to keep winning if that continues and, and we end up in number one seed then great um, we haven't sat around a bonfire and seen Kumbaya and talked about it and um, all stuff like that. I mean, we're not allowed to with COVID anyway, so that defeats that purpose. But um, yeah, I think we we haven't sat around and talked to. Obviously, we we want to finish as high as we can, which is obviously where we are at the moment. Um, but like I've said before, it's it's about us playing better and better and better. And by the playoffs, we, we want to be playing the best basketball we can for, for going into that kind of portion of the season. So, um, yeah, it'd be ideally it'll be it'd be nice. But um, we also can't control what, what other teams do and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Let the Jazz fans uh, get angry over my answer there, but. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> same thing. Kind of, it is what it is, right? Like, what? Yeah. Teams are going to rest. Teams are going to. I don't know what we're going to do. I'm not saying we're going to do that or not. I, I don't get to go into those meetings. Um, but we, we obviously, like I said, want to be playing. We want to be fresh. We want to be healthy. Um, obviously, even Mike's situation right now, like he, we got some. Obviously, he's a little beat up and and waiting for for Don's ankle and stuff like that. So um, I think health is, is priority number one. There's no point limping into a playoff series down a couple of guys that you've you've played for all year. Um, so, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll let those guys, the, the medical people, will handle kind of that side of, of that. And whoever's out there to play available, we'll do our best to, to keep winning. Well, we really got to go. I want to get to the bottom of the whole George Niang saying he doesn't want to trash talk with you because you're too good and, and you might hurt him and he might be scarred. Was that who was, said that? George. George in a pregame feature last night. It was with him and he, him and uh, and, him and Matt. And he said, who's the bigger trash talk? He just raised his hand. He said, you're the one guy he doesn't want to get into it with, though. 
You could crush him. He's an idiot. (laughs) He doesn't shut up. He sits next to me on the plane, too, and I'm telling you, he does not shut up. Yeah, but we heard that was a great feature. You even tweeted it out. That was a great feature about you guys riding together on the plane and all the family videos and all that. Chris Camerati wrote it for The Athletic. It was awesome. You it was get, a hell of an article, too. Yeah, you gave it the seal Thank of approval. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. No, he's a, he's a good dude. Yeah. Um, but, no, nah, George is an idiot. I ain't even going <laughs> to say about him. But our Q&A will be a great thing in the auction that was on there yesterday. So someone someone bid a lot of money for for the kids. Someone bid a lot of money for the kids. All right, we got to run, Joe. Good luck in the games. We will talk to you again next week. Thank you. Thanks, guys. DJ and PK, it's his own sports network. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Time for your feedback. What have you got to say about tonight's NFL draft? What will the Jets get in Zach Wilson with a second pick? A quarterback that will be constantly running for his life. There is no faith in the Jets, the offensive line, the talent around in PK. 21 picks in two years to fix it, but how quickly can it be fixed? Well, they're not going to draft him solely for the 200 or the 2021 season. Ute Pharisee says disappointment and more losing. He has yet to prove that he can perform versus a quality defense. The doctor, sarcastic coog, comes back and millions of dollars in his bank account while you sit at work thinking of more derogatory tweets to post <laughs> about the guy. Ute's a cougar's just punching it out. I think the Utes ought to sit this one out, man, since he wanted to go to Utah. <laughs> no reason dumping on a guy who really is one of you guys. Wanted to be one of you guys, and you wouldn't And then he wanted him. to stay close to home because he's a family guy. Who doesn't respect that? Yeah. And all he did was turn down Boise State, and if there's one thing Ute and Cougar fans can agree on, it's turning down Boise State. Among others, but yeah. Uh, you, Ute Cougars and Aggies can all come together on that. Nobody likes Boise State because, well, you know, they've won so much. He wanted to be home, and so BYU offered, and he said yes. Time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt. Join us from the Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, how come so many guys are so hesitant to come in and have their ED addressed? Well, we're all living in denial, I guess. (laughs) No, I think it's uh, just that we feel like less of a man if we struggle with ED. Um, You know, we don't want to admit we have a problem. We're embarrassed. And I think getting rid of that stigma is critical because there's a lot of guys, we see them every day, and they say, I'm so humiliated. I've struggled with this. My wife or significant other knows, and that's the only person that knows. And then they go through our treatments, the acoustic wave therapy, and you can see the weight is lifted off their shoulders. They can perform a little better. They get more blood flow. They can eliminate the pill if they're taking it. This acoustic wave therapy, and actually we use the two most advanced forms now, it's clinically proven to work. It repairs the blood vessels. It opens up the circulation, uh, more frequency, better performance. We've seen a lot of guys go through this and and come out with excellent results. And you got uh, not just the word of the patients, but now the word of the scientific community. Yep. Uh, Science page at wasatchmedicalclinic.com. I don't even think we have everything on there, but there's 40 clinical studies there. Cambridge, uh, a more recent study from a urology outfit said, this is the new standard of care for ED. How cool is that? When the science 
is there. They've tested this with double-blind, placebo-controlled trials, everything, and shown with x-rays that there's more blood flow in this part of the body after somebody goes through the treatments. So you got a special deal for people today. We do. And last segment uh, of the day, guys, the assessment exam, blood flow ultrasound with our doctor, that's basically the first step is free. Uh, You get that little gift that I don't think I've ever seen fail. It produces immediate results in the bedroom. Guys love that. And something new, there's 300 bucks off. Uh, So put a stop to your ED and give us a call. It's all no charge. All right, you can call right now, 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. You can call Andrew in the Wasatch Medical Clinic at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. All right, Scotty and Hans, coming up next. We'll talk to you.